Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Sud Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. It's Football Friday on a Thursday. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here to bring you the breakfast toast. We're here to get you ready for the weekend of high school, college, and NFL football that is running upon us. And uh, we're here. We're ready to do that, right? We're ready, right? We're ready. Yeah. Well, Reporting for duty, uh, sir. Yes. One fan base that is uh, quite ready is the University of Miami fan base, by and large, extremely happy with the hire that was made yesterday. One Mark Richt, who was recently let go at Georgia, had no problem finding another job, jumps in as the University of Miami head coach. What are your thoughts on this Emil Calamino? Well, if I didn't think he should get fired at Georgia, I can't see how it's a bad hire. I mean, he's proved to be a competent coach for a while, and I don't know how it I don't know how he ties into the culture down there. I mean, you could probably speak more of your thoughts on that. I mean, on the surface, you could have done worse, I guess, is my point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, well. you know, I mean, again, you <laughs> that, could, I think Miami's a unique situation. I hope situation. they don't say you, stuff like that at the press conference, Emil, um, in introducing <laughs> Mark no, Rick. Not, you imagine listen, if that's you know how the my press feeling. conference I went th- down. I liked him at Georgia, and I don't think he should have been fired. We talked about that on previous shows. Uh, Sap thought he should have been. You were kind of in the middle. My, my feeling on those kind of guys going someplace else is it's often hard to replicate the success you've had at the previous place, and he didn't have over-the-top success, which is the why way he got, you know, the reason he got fired. So I guess I'm going to take a wait and see. I'm just saying he could have did worse in terms of he's got the resume of a good, competent head coach. That's all, you know, this that's all is true, say. yes. Um, I think a lot of fans here wanted a name, and that's typically what fans want when there is a, when there is a, a need for a coaching change. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have to go to Google when a coach is hired, which is what I think happened the, the last time. Not that that's a bad thing. Um, I do like the off the grid hires, uh, but by and large, fans don't like that. They want a name. They want someone who's proven to have won elsewhere. And that's what you get in Mark Rick. Now, has he proven to win as much as fans would want down here? That remains to be seen. I I, uh, I think maybe the last five years has caused the needed adjustment in uh, expectation from University of Miami fans. We'll have to see on that. By and large, this area, this region, the people that live here are not one for that. You're either in the championship and you have people at the stadium or you, you you're not and they aren't showing up. So we'll have to see. It'll be. I think it's going to be an adjustment for Rick, Chad. I think it's going to be different. I mean, he's coming from the SEC. He's used to, you know, eighty-five thousand people in his stadium every Saturday. You just, that was the holiday. point I was just about to make. Yes. Yes. I think it's going to be a big adjustment if they lose a game early next year and the fans throw up their hands and say, "Ah, the hell with this! That we keep, we're not going to win the national championship." And he's playing to twenty-five thousand the next week. I think. <laughs> I think he'll be given the benefit of the doubt early on with uh you know with regards to the record 
um, and things of that nature. I think the fan base here. Let me not let me not make them out to be complete and total savages. I think they understand that there would need to be um, a little bit of a a mental cleanup um, in terms of being able to win the big games because uh, there's a little bit of confidence missing there. So I think they'll have patience. The, one of the big problems, along with not being able to win big games, is that who you're playing when you're in the ACC um, and you're down here in South Florida. I've said this many times. No one's going to get excited about Wake Forest, North Carolina, NC State, um, you know, even Georgia Tech. No one's going to get really excited down here. Well, every wait, wait, let's games. clarify there. Every conference has those. I just think the problem, and again, it's not a shot at the ACC. It's just a fact. I think they have more of them. I mean, in other words, it's not it, even that, Emil. I, I don't want to go so far as to say that because in other places, you know, if you're in North Carolina, if you're in Clemson, and North Carolina comes to town, big deal. If you're in, um, you know, if, if if you're in Virginia and NC State comes to town, that's probably a big deal. But you're down here in South Florida, where you either born here. Uh, you were born in the islands, or you came from New Jersey or New York or something like that. So these particular teams in this conference do not appeal to what is, you know, the mass makeup of folks down here. So you're not going to get excited about those games. And oh, Clemson no, no, I understand what hunt, you're talking about. Yes. You're talking about just the way, yeah, the, the state. I'm saying every – I mean, let's let's put it this way. USC fans don't get stoked when Oregon State comes to town. So every, I mean, and, and Florida folks don't get stoked when Kentucky rolls in necessarily or, or Vandy. But what I'm saying is if you look at the ACC lineup, forget where you're from, there's a lot of teams in there that you just don't think about playing in football. I mean, you've got Duke. They've been better lately, but it's Duke. You've got Virginia, a basketball school. Um, you know, you've got Wake Forest, as you pointed out. I mean, let's face it, Syracuse, while they have history, they haven't been world beaters for the last 30 years. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, when we're in the Big East and you get Syracuse down here, you can get some people here for, for a Syracuse game because, you know, Syracuse is from New York and um, it's things like, you know, they will come support that. Will they sell out the stadium? Uh, no, unless Syracuse, you know, was – in the hunt for something, or they had a particularly great player like Donovan McNabb or something like that. But you're going to get a better attendance to a game like that than, than you know, one of the others. That or how about NC the State? There's another school. I mean, NC State, I mean, at least North Carolina has some football history. While, you know, I mean, they're not certainly what you would think of as a top 25 program. They have some history with Lawrence Taylor, and, you know, they've been pretty decent at different times over the years. I mean, NC State comes to Miami. i got to think no one gives a damn. No, they don't, um, and that's that's been a, a part of the problem that I've pointed out. So it will be a bit of a different feeling for Mark Rick coming out to thirty-five, forty thousand, as opposed to eighty thousand when you're playing Eastern Michigan. So that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. My biggest concern, and I said this yesterday morning before it was even announced, and I said it again after it was announced, is that I hope that he is motivated. He is, uh, I believe, um, in the twilight of his coaching career at age 55. You know, some folks point out to me that, you know, Saban's coaching at 70. I just don't see Mark Rick coaching that long. I don't know what you think about that. I just hope that um, retirement doesn't pop up in his mind while he's at work down here. And, and, you know, you've been down here before on vacation. It'll, you know, you can get sucked in to that. 
um, the weather, the beaches, the relaxing atmosphere. Oh, it's, can hey, listen, grab you, you wake up down there on vacation, and you, I mean, you live there, so it's not as, you know, you get up in the morning at, you know, by 1030, you, you know, you're ready for an adult beverage. I mean, I usually wait till noon because I feel degenerate, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's listen. That's no shot at that's no shot at uh, Mark Richt. He is uh, an outstanding human being. I don't think he could find one better than that. I'm just saying that's the reality of being down here. That's just the reality of it all. And when you're at a certain we'll, age, we'll rewind to what you just said, in. and that's the reason I don't see him coaching to seventy. I've heard Rick interviewed with his family and stuff. He's a really nice guy, and I think he's got other interests. You know, some guys wake up in the morning and all they want to think about is football. And Saban strikes me as that. That's not a shot at Saban. It's just that I think that that's really what what he likes to do. No different than Joe Paterno was coaching till he died. I mean, that's just that's what he was. You know, he's a football coach. I think Rick is one of those guys who's got a lot of outside interests with. You know, it seems like he does some charity work and just things. He just seems like a very introspective type of guy. And those mm-hmm. kind of guys, they they, they they typically want to go do other things once they get a little tired of this. Yeah, sure. Not defined by coaching, um, but, you know, has done a very good job at it. So, obviously, um, hoping for the best down here. The makeup of the staff uh, What do you think about the critical? search, though? Did they do enough work? I mean, Rick just got fired. I mean, do you think like at I, any well, point? At, you know, I thought about this. Okay, um, Butch Butch Davis has openly campaigned for the job for several months. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's been on the list um, almost since day one. Since Al Golden was led off the plank after the Clemson game, Mario Cristobal's name was on the list. Greg Schiano's name was on the list for weeks at a time. When was Mark Rick fired exactly? Sunday, Saturday? When was it? Yeah, like Saturday or Sunday, right? Saturday. Okay, you needed some time to compile information on Mario Cristobal and Greg Schiano and Butch Davis and your know, background and look into things. Uh, Mark Ricks fired Sunday, and you 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 wrapped up your total investigation by Wednesday, and you hired him. So, what do those guys feel like? You know, after uh, ha- you know the, everything going down that way. I don't know. Well, you I guess what I'm trying to ask you. What I'm trying to lead you into here, without raining on the parade, because I like Rick and I've said as much. I don't. I think he's a good coach. I'm concerned that they just went for the big name to appease the fan base. Is what I'm saying. I, you know, without much thought to fit and, and form and all that stuff. Like, hey, guy won a lot of games, 145 and 51. Fan base will shut up. Here's Mark Rick. He's not uh, um, Yeah, there's a concern that that might have been done, and because of the speed at which it was done, uh, more than likely that that might have been what happened. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, though, uh, that they did a thorough interview, um, that they knew that this could be a possibility in terms of Mark Rick being fired. It had been out there for, um, shoot, about a, it, you know, over a month, I believe, so maybe they did some research on it while he was still coaching um, at at Georgia, and then you know you had your interview and either confirmed or alleviated some fears that you may have had, and then you're able to make the quick hire. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. I do know this though. Um, I don't know what the purpose is of of these search firms. I'm sure it goes beyond our scope. But uh, if it was to just to go find a coach, you didn't need a search firm to find Mark Rick, did you? I mean, you wasn't lost, no. wasn't in the mud anywhere. No. So you know, no, you don't. You uh, don't need one. You don't. You know, now when you pull a name from uh, Northwest 
Minnesota State, who's won back-to-back-to-back-to-back championships, um, then, you know, you search for him, did his job. But nevertheless, you've got a good coach here at at the University of Miami. Um, And, again, you know, whether or not he wins enough for these fans – will remain to be seen will nine and three every year be okay will it be something fans can accept will it get them to the stadium on saturdays uh will it get fifty fifty five thousand fans to to each and every game there uh i don't know at some point they're going to win championships here because i know this fan base and so right. I'm, I'm not certain of that. We're going to have to start putting up some double-digit win seasons. We're going to need to make our first appearance into the ACC championship game. That needs. To, I think if he does that, he would be labeled a semi-hero. Just get us to that ACC yeah. championship game. Yeah, I would say you're probably right about that. If he could do, if he could do that, he would be. I just hope he. I'm for his sake. I hope he has <clears throat> some success early. I mean, what I mean by that is even next year. A signature win, a nice eight and four, nine and three season. I think to get out of the gate, I don't think he can do a Charlie Strong at Texas. The natives are going to get mm-hmm. restless real quick down there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, it's a tough fan base. It's it's a yeah. definitely a tough fan base. So he'll be battling that. Uh, I think the uh, makeup of the staff is going to be very very important down here. You know, fans want Miami guys on the staff, um, but it's not always about what. The fans want so long as it works out to their liking. So, uh, you know, there's more interesting stuff to come here as you start to put together this staff, no doubt about that. Uh, yep. Who's the defensive coordinator? Because that's, that's probably of the two coordinator positions. Uh, that's probably going to be the one watched, the, you know, more closely because, let's be honest, Miami's been bad on defense for the last five years. So Right. I mean, that's, that that's, been the, that's been the big uh, knock on them. Yeah, they want that fixed immediately. So uh, we'll see how that goes. There's still coaching jobs open, Emil. Uh Up in your region, Rutgers and Syracuse is still out there. They still need to fill that up. Uh, Maryland did get their guy, and it was the uh, Michigan defensive coordinator, D.J. Durkin, who was uh, recently, before that, prior to that, on uh, Will Muschamp's staff down at Florida. Um, someone you guys I know were personally, killing me with it. Good was guy. it you and yeah. some other people with the Chip Kelly to Maryland stuff? I was like, are you kidding uh, me? That Chip was not me. Not okay. No, no, no. I thought you had not, said that on the show the other day. No, I may have mentioned that. I may have said that that could be a situation uh, for Chip Kelly where he can go to Maryland and Maryland is prepared to receive a good amount of money um, invested by Under Armour. So he could be in a situation where he uh, has that corporate backing like he had at Oregon. So I thought maybe that might be a situation for him at this yeah, point the now. Same goofy, you, you have the same goofy uniform deal. At least that would make him happy. He could put the oh, Maryland all State flag all over the helmet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, would go, it would go with um, what he had going on there at Oregon, and it matches the offense. The offense and the team and the Chip Kelly teams are really about entertainment. I don't know if it's about stacking up championships. They get there fine like they did against Auburn. But in, in, by and large, though, they're out there to entertain you. They're out there to try and put up 50, 60 points uh, against unsuspecting opponents and uh, do tricky plays and hold up signs with Abraham Lincoln and, you know, Kylie Jenner and yeah, stuff like fun. that. It's all, it's all entertainment. So yep. um, there is that factor. And he could have had that at Maryland where he the guy there. Uh, with these jobs filling up, is, is Chip Kelly 
going to be a guy going back to college football. That doesn't look like no. that's going to happen now. No, the rumor there is he's, you know, the, the, for some reason he can't get away from, from Marcus Mariota. It, there seems to be like this this love affair, and whether it's real or perceived by the media, um, you know, now the talk is that the Eagles will trade because you can trade a head coach under contract to the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. They, no, honestly, mm. this is this is real. Oh, I know, that and that's hilarious reporting. to me. Hey, coach, we'd like to send you out of here. We 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 would like this player better. Yes, hilarious. We would like me. to send. We we will trade you to. I mean, imagine him though. Think about it, right. Philadelphia, you know, one of the great cities in the country as far as, you know, culture and, you know, old Northeast city, revolution, all that stuff. You go from there, and not that there's anything wrong with Nashville's beautiful, but, I mean, you go down there to a team where, where he'd, have to get a, he'd have to get the roster out and try to figure out how many guys he actually heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you know, Chip like that. So um, we all have to do that for Tennessee. That's true. It wouldn't just be Chip. It's you and me, and we we have, yeah, we we have all, a computer we all in front of us. Yeah, in, yeah, including the folks that attend the games. Uh, they take a special interest. And the, I bet they're selling programs hand over fist at Tennessee games. What do you think? It's funny, you know, great minds think alike or mediocre minds, because I was thinking the same thing. You know, every time I go to a game, I really don't take the program. Like, you know, I was at the USC-Stanford game. It's just like, I don't need a program. I know all the guys on USC, obviously, and I know the main players on Stanford. I got it covered. Don't worry. Don't need a program. If I went to a Tennessee Titans game, which is is a long shot, I ever will. But if if it happened, I'm mm. taking the program. I'm giving the guy ten bucks. Give me the program. Oh yes, I and it that. will be saved and studied. Um, yes, you know, if I was given a test on the Tennessee Titans lineup, that's an F. If I was supposed to get an certified F. for it, if I if certified. I offered you, I know I've ch- I've challenged you on other shows without. If there was a million dollars on the table, off the off the cuff, I don't think you could come up with ten guys on the Titans. No, 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 and, and there's a chance I'm going to name five guys that played there in the past that are no longer on the team. That's definitely. Well, if you said Steve McNair, the whole the whole game's over. If you go McNair, yeah, then, right. then you exactly. lose a million out of the gate. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Can so, we talk about some games uh, that are going to happen this week, please? We will, man. Just don't rush fine wine. You, you know how this whole thing works. We got to take a break. We got to pay some bills around here, but we will. We'll. We will. Um, do what it is we've been called to do. We will talk about college football when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. 
The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Taliban. Taliban. Yeah. Jump in, jump in, jump in, and boys up to something. They just smell like toys. Yes, we are up to something. It's 1021 here on a Thursday. We're doing a football Friday show on a Thursday. That's what we're up to here. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. We are doing the football Friday show today because I am uh, happily taking off to Atlanta tomorrow morning to go to the Georgia Dome and watch Alabama and Florida do battle this weekend. Emil will... Well, and I'm going to have a Florida Gators reporter on Nick Delatory from GatorCountry.com at the top of the next hour. Can can Florida tackle Derrick Henry enough times to win this football game? I'm just asking you that right off the cuff, straight up, right now. I'm not worried about Florida's defense in this game. I've said this every time we've tried to, you know, talk about a Florida game this year. I mean, you know, obviously, like I think most Gator fans that are being honest with themselves, the apprehension is can the offense move the ball enough to not kill the defense? So. They stopped tackling Derrick Henry. I mean, I look at Florida. They're giving up 15.5 points a game and 283 yards. Alabama's giving up 14.3 a game, 264 yards. I mean, the defenses are essentially, you know, by and large the same. (laughs) Yeah, uh, no doubt. You know, Florida has not really faced – well, they faced Leonard Fournette. Um, earlier this year in terms of a similar back that's a battling ram, and uh, he managed 180 yards, which I think at the time was below his average. Uh, They did a fairly decent job against Leonard Fournette. He didn't, you know, I think his longest run was 20, 25 yards, and at that time he was a juggernaut ripping off at least a 60-yarder every week. And, of course, there's tons of video out there. Um, showing what he did against Auburn, I contributed to that, putting several several of them out there because I thought it was comical. So um, they have a little bit of experience in that. I'm sure they would like to do better against Derrick Henry than they did uh, against Leonard. I mean, here, Fournette, here's but I'm my with you. take on Florida this year. I think they played three clubs this year that I would consider maybe four if I throw Florida State in there. Uh, good offensive clubs. 
and you know the the results were mixed. The Florida State game, I thought the defense played well. It wore down. Um, the LSU game, the defense got handled. They gave up 35 points. They gave up over 400 yards. Uh, the Mississippi mm-hmm. game, the defense stood up well and really really did a number on Ole Miss. And then the game against Tennessee, the Florida defense got worked over a little bit, you know, well over 400 yards and, you know, 27 points. It took a great fourth-quarter comeback for them to win that game by a point. But So, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, is, is And, the well, defense... now, when you look at it, though, the, the of those of those three, the two that they had trouble with were ones with uh, pretty, you know, strong power running games, which is exactly what they're running into here. So that should make Florida fans nervous going into this Alabama game uh, because your your defense could have a bit of a problem in this contest, and that's not the unit you need to uh, to be having problems in this game given how the offense has played recently. So, well, Florida uh, not fans very don't many... want to hear this. They don't want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you, to me, this is a gravy game for Florida. I think this year, uh, given you know where the team was at, uh, the composition of the team overall, I mean, they're going to have a lot of guys coming back. I think it's you're sitting at ten and two in the SEC championship game at this point in the season. You know, if you're being honest and you're a Florida fan, you did not think this was the way the season was going with the new coach. Only the the most optimistic, the only the Jerry Joneses of the world who like Florida really thought mm-hmm. that this was how the season was going to end. So, for me, anything they do in this game positive is gravy. You know, if they happen to ever win the game, God love them, it'd be tremendous. But I, you know, I think this is a very tough spot for Florida. Um, obviously, I mean, they're 17 point underdogs or 17 and a half point underdogs. If their defense cracks a little bit in this game and gets behind early, I, I, I pray it doesn't, because this game could get ugly, because it, because it would make the offense really one dimensional. Yeah, sure, I, 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 and you know. Um... I don't. I'd have to go back in history and take a look at things and see has there been uh, an underdog this big in this in this game. Um, I wonder what it was last year. I know folks didn't hold Missouri in high regard. Um, I think it was fourteen last year. They played Alabama, right? What's that? Who played Alabama, Missouri last year, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think I, that I think that game ended up in that fourteen, fourteen and a half point range, if I remember that, that correctly. You can look it up, but I'm pretty sure it was couple touchdowns last year it didn't get this high no no so uh you know a little bit of a motivation there for for a florida team and a florida defense and just an entire florida team um being you know underdogs that of that size and no one really giving them a chance so the motivation is really going to be all on their side how would you attack alabama if you were the florida defensive coordinator you know, without obviously, I know you have an interest. You know, but but let me throw my thoughts out to you. And, and they're more simplistic. I'm not going to start getting into coverages. If I'm Florida in this game, because of what you just said, because of the success the bigger backs have had against them, out of the gate, I I am stacking that line, and I'm going to see if the Alabama quarterback can do anything. I'm actually oh, even willing. That, to, that has to be the only yeah. game plan that's out there. You the know, only plan, the, right? You got you got to no man up the receivers. Yeah, yeah, you got to put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage. There's just no way around that. So, um, that, I expect that to be a big part of the game plan: five men front, six men fronts, and and dealing with that. There, the problem is Derek Henry is just bigger than all of the uh, Florida linebackers. By the way, I did post that stat on Twitter. His weight, what is height, he, six, weight, three two fifty or something like that. Uh, yeah, pretty somewhere around there. Let me run through this tweet. We'll I'll break this absolutely break this down for you right here because. 
I did tweet that stat out there not too long ago. I don't got to go too far in this timeline. Here we go. Derrick Henry is 6'3", 242 pounds. The three Florida linebackers go like this. Antonio Morrison, 6'1", 229 pounds. Jared Davis, 6'2", 230 pounds. And Jeremy Powell, 6'2", 224 pounds. Got a little bit of a problem there. So, um, yeah, that would be the plan. Has to be the yeah. plan. So. We'll see. Did you have a pick you know, on this you know, game? There is, a, there is a, 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 an upside to this, seriously. If you look at Alabama this year, and I mean, I know you're aware of this, so I'm saying this more for people out there who just automatically assume they're going to steamroll. They've had some games this year where, you know, the offense has struggled mightily. I mean, Arkansas, uh, you know, they, they won it by 13, but they put that away late. I mean, they were down going into the fourth quarter there. Uh, they struggled in the Tennessee game, and Tennessee isn't exactly – a great defense by any means, but you know, so they've they've had some games where the offense has kind of you know not got off, you know, to where you yeah know, no the, the, yeah you definitely the Alabama uh, offense no, hasn't yeah. been what you would want it to be. Let's put it that way. Sure, and I'm I'm sure the Florida staff has studied at length those games and to try and get a beat on what exactly it was that troubled uh, Alabama in those games. So we'll see that. Did you have a pick on this game or just a? An opinion. I don't want to pick it. You know why? It's hard for me to be honest here and tell people I would take the 17 points because, frankly, you know, you could get the same result as last week in this game where Florida's offense does nothing. You know, it could just wear the defense down. We could see a 30-3 to win. But, you know, a couple turnovers early, I certainly wouldn't be laying 17.5 points against a 10-2 and team because – Hey, Alabama spots some seven points or something with that defense. They get a little confidence. Anything can happen. So, I, no guidance on this one. I would just watch it and you know, whatever. I'm gonna. Be, I'll be rooting for Florida. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, before we launch into a full scale uh, talk about uh, the championship games that we've got coming up, there's 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 a part of college football that's going to start this weekend that I really want people to pay attention to. And in particular, uh, any of the recruits or parents of recruits from 2016 that may be listening to this show and uh, your kid's not a big-time prospect, you've got the FCS uh, playoffs that are going to start this week. And, you know, you I don't know how many of these games will actually be on ESPN, but if those games are on there, I would urge you and, and your prospect to uh, check these games out, see the level of football. It's you know you might be surprised by it if you haven't really paid attention to it. It is very very good football, and these are very good programs and uh, football that you should pay attention to. I uh, even before I was into the whole recruiting thing, enjoyed watching some of these games because uh, just how meaningful they are. It's an actual playoff, so I would like. Well, they're good, some and they're games. good teams, like you just said. I mean, you know, Eastern Washington's been there, North Dakota State. There's some programs that are in this thing, it seems like, every year. And, I mean, they've produced professional talent in the NFL, uh, you know, some big-time players. I mean, hell, a quarterback from Oregon this year came from Eastern Washington, Vernon Adams. So, uh, no, there's there's some definitely really high-quality football at that level. Yeah, and if nothing else, you get to look really, really smart when you've watched uh, some of these playoff games and one of these guys from one of these schools gets drafted and you can tell someone – uh, you know, some information about that particular player, how he plays, et cetera, et cetera. You can get a little chance for you to look like a bit of a genius. But let's run through these things real quick. We've got a short board, so we may be able to run through most of these contests. Texas is taking on Baylor. Baylor is a 20-point 
favorite, which is a pretty big favorite. What's the motivation here for Baylor? Am, am I missing I'm going to let you talk about this game here because a little bit. I'll tell you, I have a pick on it when we get to our pick section later. Um, you know, so I'll well, talk a little looking, bit about. Good. Well, when I'm looking at it, Baylor's lost two of their last three. They're no longer in this whole college football playoff thing, which was their goal absolutely after being quote unquote snubbed out of it last year. So I don't know the mental makeup here. They played a miserable game last week against TCU uh, that they ended up losing 28-21 on the road, coming back home to play Texas, which for them is going to be a ho-hum opponent because Texas is not coming in here uh, on fire. They're a 4-7 and football team. I don't know. Uh, this might be a hard game for Baylor to get up for. But when you look on the other side, uh, Texas hasn't really done a whole hell of a lot either. The last two games that they lost, they fought hard at home against Texas Tech, but they lost, giving up 48 points. They did lose on the road to West Virginia. If I, if I were going to lean one way or the other, though, I might lean Texas in this. This game's going to mean more to Texas. It's their bowl game. They're not going. They're not. There's just no postseason for them. And uh, I think Baylor might be missing a little juice. So I'll be interested in hearing what your take is. Is this on Charlie that Strong's game. last game at Texas, in your opinion? Um, no, I think Charlie Strong comes back. Uh, he's not leaving because there are no. Uh, I don't see any of the remaining jobs being appealing to him. Um, and if Texas was going to make a move in the climate that we have going on right now, they would have done it already and put themselves in position to get one of these names that were floating around that may have been hired already. So I think they're going right. to hold on to this guy for another year, and I don't see Charlie Strong leaving for the Virginia job. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, he'll be yeah. back next year. He'll be back next year, in, in my opinion. Okay, West Virginia and Kansas State as we stay in the Big 12. I'm a little surprised by this line, Emil. West Virginia is six-and-a-half-point favorite. Quietly, they've had a good 7-4 and four season, a winning season, um, and they have done some damage the last two weeks. I think they might be a little too big-headed over there. I thought you victory. told me I'm leaving the show at 11 today. What, are you just going to keep talking about every game I'm going to pick so I could just shut up for everybody and listen, let you, so you keep yapping? you got to pick on this one. I am. Uh, I do. I, I, got, I got lots are, of picks. I I want to I want to make a I want to bet on who you're going to pick in this game. And so I'd be extremely surprised if you didn't go in the direction that uh I think you're going to go. I'm not going to ruin it for you and anyone else, but I'm pretty sure I know where you're going in this. Oh, by one. the way, uh, just just you're skipping a big game tonight or uh, tomorrow night I should say, a very good game too. Uh you know, for the MAC championship. And I'm not being sarcastic here. You got Bowling Green playing Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois has been pretty good the last, you know, 5 6 years. That's a 12-and-a-half-point line. I guess the Northern Illinois quarterback, uh, Drew Harris, is out. He's been out. Um, and I can tell you this. I almost made that a pick in that particular what, game. Going, I think with, going with Northern Illinois? No, I think Bowling Green's going to blow them out. Last year, Northern Illinois beat them 51-17. Northern Illinois is a team that has to run the football, um, with, especially with the quarterback out. Mm-hmm. Bowling Green can stop the run. It's it's really gonna. Northern Illinois got beat their last game of the season by Ohio, twenty six twenty one, and the issue showed up in that game. They only ran the ball for seventy three yards. Uh, this quarterback's just not ready to lead that offense yet. He's a young guy. I, I think the Bowling Green offense is dynamic, and you know they're going to be sitting on that loss. And you can't tell me playing for a championship, knowing the team you're playing, beat you fifty one seventeen last year. I I I think this is going to be. All Bowling Green. 
Uh, okay, well, let me pull you up on that a little bit. Do you want to at all consider the fact that Bowling Green's head coach, Dino Babers, might be up for another job, maybe entertaining it, though he's denying it, that whole that whole thing going on there? Could that be a problem? Could be, of course, but I think this is more about the kids. I think this is one of those things where, you know, Bowling Green's got a pretty good program, so does Northern Illinois. That's a game I think where the kids kind of circle it mentally like, hey, we got our – asses handed to us last year and uh i just i have a feeling this is going to be a game where they they come out ready to play and that, that team if you've never seen them play i i know you probably have because you watch a lot of games like me uh northern illinois can really roll points up uh yes they can and uh evidence of that is a 48 10 win over ball state last week i think they've gone uh, 40 or more points in in uh, just about every game, with the exception of Toledo, uh, that they lost a couple of weeks ago. So, I think if I was leaning one way or the other, I think I would go with you there. And to your point about Northern Illinois and what they need to do in terms of running the ball and and using the quarterback also to do that, they lost a game to Ohio last week, and a big reason for that was they're only able to put up 73 yards rushing, whereas you know they're typically at at around 240 or so. Uh, let me see what they're averaging on the season. Yeah, they stay they run it. And you know what scares me? That line. That line scares mm-hmm. me. When they start giving you almost two touchdowns with a program that's played in some, you know, big bowl games in the last five years, Northern Illinois, that has some actual name recognition outside of the MAC. A lot of fans who aren't diehard college fans still have heard of Northern Illinois. Uh when you start seeing that kind of number and 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 they won this game last year convincingly, that says to me something's up. It's just weird. It's too big of a number. It's too easy to grab those twelve points. Well, you can kind of make that argument for Alabama in, in the Florida game. Uh, wouldn't sure. that be something you would think about? So um, you have yeah. that as well. Uh, ACC championship game, North Carolina and uh, and Clemson battling in this one. I have a pick on that game, so I'm going to let that slide. Let me just tell you where I am. I'm picking the ACC championship game, the Big Ten championship game, and the Pac-12 championship game. So. Um, let me just put that out there right now. And and with that being the case, I don't know that there is much else for us to talk well, about. Well, I, I don't Houston. have a pick on this particular game. I'd love to hear your pick here. Um, you know, there's there's a side of me that just wants to be a contrarian here and, and see a little bit of chaos uh, in North Carolina win. You know, I've seen how they've slowly slid North Carolina up to number 10 this week. It's almost like they're trying to make it just in case they win. You know, we can justify getting them up to four. But I have a feeling that Clemson, you know, they've they've been fairly dominant all year except for a couple tight games here and there where they should have. I mean, Notre Dame is a good team. The thing that scares me about taking Carolina here is their defense. Um, You know, their, their defense is okay. Um, but it's 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 you know last week they gave up over 500 yards in, in that rivalry game against NC State. Um, the week before they struggled at West at Virginia Tech, 30-27 uh, gave up over 400 yards. And I, I just you know I saw I know the Miami game is fresh in people's minds and the Duke game where they scored a ton of points. But when they were at Pitt, another decent team, it was a, it was a tight game, twenty six nineteen. I I have a feeling Clemson's going to get this one done. I want to hear what you what you say, but um, you know, I think they're well aware of their uh, the, their reputation for going out and uh, and choking. So I I think they won't do that this time. So. All right. Well, like I said, I do have a pick on this game. Do we need to talk Temple in Houston? Pretty big game for two teams that we don't really people game. don't really I mean, talk about them. 
No, I think it's a great game, um, and it's it's outstanding for both of these programs to be in this position, uh, to be playing on this particular day, and to perhaps have some eyes on them. Game's going to be on ABC, but uh, the, when we're talking about double-digit wins, um, you know, we're, you're looking at two teams here, Temple and Houston, that have already achieved this. And so 10-2 and two Temple playing against Houston. Temple's knocked off some teams here. Uh, Memphis being one of them that people weren't sure they'd be able to do it, and then Notre Dame they had all on the ropes. What do you? What do you? Give me a pick on this game. We won't. On this game, you know what? I really like Temple. I think they've, you know, I think they've been a little bit more battle tested uh, than Houston. Um, The the Mm -hmm. Notre Dame game obviously was impressive, and their other loss to South Florida. I mean, don't sleep on South Florida. South Florida finished eight and four. And uh, you know, six and two in that conference, a game out of first place. So it wasn't like it was a bad South Florida team. It was on the road. Uh, they handled Memphis just like Houston did. Uh, you know, I just think that Temple, you know, Penn State, still a Big Ten team. Uh, they, they took care of things. I just I like the way that team plays. I think this is going to be a tight game, a lot more low scoring. Both teams actually play decent defense. So to me, six points is a lot in this game. I could see this game coming right down to you know at the end somebody wins at twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, Temple is a little bit more battle tested and uh, you know less respected. I guess all eyes have been on Houston because of Tom Herman and how they started off the season. So I don't think anyone's really thinking about Temple. And I think they're too good of a team to be getting six points here, just in my opinion. I think that, that number's kind of out there. In my opinion, I think this is a three-point game, and uh, they threw a little extra cheese on there. I think all that cheese is for Tom Herman, and uh, Temple is going to come into this thing quite motivated. Wouldn't be surprised to see them as uh, as a straight-up winner. Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about Oklahoma State, and I kind of felt they were on some borrowed time. I felt that way with with Houston. Now I know they did get a loss at Connecticut, but I just felt like, generally speaking, they're a good team. But you know, they, they've had all the bounces this year. I mean, they won a game against Cincinnati, 33-30. They won the the subsequent week. They beat Memphis, 35-34. They came back. I, I, I just think, you know, even early in the year, they had a three-point win against Louisville. It could have went either way. I just have a feeling if this is a tight game. You're getting six points. I, I, I think Temple's going to win this game. I mean, I've been impressed with them all year. Um, you know, that Notre Dame game really opened my eyes to what that guy's doing there. Those kids played mm-hmm. hard. It wasn't a fluke. Their defense looked really good. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to win outright. All righty. Uh, well, both of us feel that way here. Well, it's time to talk about the games that really, really mean something to us, and that is that are our picks. Uh, since you're the accountant here, you can break down the records for us and Tell everyone how we're doing so far in college football. Okay, college, you lead the way with with a, an amazing record, actually. 25-14, and 14, uh, if you're not good at math, he's over 60% so far, which I'll actually makes my record, which isn't bad, look terrible. I'm 22-17, and 17, so uh, you're, you got me by three games in college so far. I need to do Five games work. over 500 is uh, definitely nothing to sneeze at, so... Not, not terrible, but you're you're impressive. Let me let me start off here with my picks, and then you can lead the way in the pros. Okay, you, you talked about that first game at the top of the board, Baylor giving 20 to Texas. And at first blush, I say, well, what is Baylor's motivation? But you got to remember, for people not familiar with the huge state of Texas, Waco and Austin are only about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, something like that, apart. Um, Baylor has lived in the shadow of the University of Texas for the history of its program, essentially. 
And mm-hmm. there's nothing more, I think, than these Bears would love. By the way, a winning team, 9-2, and two, been winning the last three or four years with Art Bryles, than getting a beaten-down Texas team and just finishing them off. See, I, I look at Texas, mm-hmm. I say they come here, they just gave up 48 points at home to Texas Tech. Baylor's going to play their third-string quarterback. He's certainly going to want to look good. They're playing for a double-digit win season and a nice bowl. And Art Bryles has installed a winning tradition there. That's what he's trying to get mm-hmm. going. And winners, you know what winners do? They win. They don't go out and lay down <laughs> in a game like this. I like Baylor minus you the 20 You almost point, sound right? like Trent Dilfer right there for a minute. You can't lose games in the NFL and win. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> winners win. Okay. That's yeah, winners, winners, winners win. Like who knew before you uh, jumped out with that? That's, that's um, hey, an enlightening moment. When big Meech tells you winners win, they win. Okay. So we're oh, taking well, I'm going to have to queue up the 20. tape on that one. That is going to be a soundbite on this show for the uh, foreseeable future. But thank you, Baylor. Is your pick? I'm a little surprised. Yes. I think you're done with Texas, though. I think you, you and I have had I, enough. I, listen, I like Texas. Texas. I like Charlie Strong, but when I see bad football, I call it out. It's, I don't. I'm not a Baylor fan. I don't even like the way they play. But for this game, I do because I think they're going to turn the scoreboard into a pinball machine. Okay. So sure. That's um, it. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I'm kind of leaning in Texas' direction. We move along to another non-championship game. You pointed out, you know, it just jumps off the board. I mean, I know West Virginia has won four games in a row. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to a, a, a program that's really got a lot of pride, Kansas State. And let's not forget, West Virginia's four wins at home. They beat Texas Tech, Texas. Then they went, Four in a row, I should say. Then they went on the road and beat Kansas. And then they beat Iowa State. Okay, all those teams stink. They all stink, mm-hmm. every every one of them. And now they're going to be asked to go on the road and cover a touchdown against a team playing for to get into a bowl game. They're five and six. They've mm-hmm. righted the ship after a tough a tough streak. They've won three in a row. Granted, mm-hmm. their wins were against Iowa State and Kansas the last two weeks. Same teams mm-hmm. that West Virginia beat. This game just doesn't feel like a blowout to me. And if you're giving me six and a half points with the home team, I'll gladly take them. All right. Well, there you go. I'm, you know, that's exactly where I was going. I think we got cut off when I was uh, talking about this game. Uh, West Virginia, uh, back-to-back easy wins against easy opponents. Maybe a little thick-headed here. And Kansas State has, uh, it's a tough place to win, and uh, always a tough team that's going to battle you. You know, they they rarely lay down for anyone. And uh, I'm with you on that one. I like that pick. I like it. I like finally, it. What, what you, you know, this will be interesting. This will be interesting because I want to see where you go. But I, I'm telling you, this is more. I had a whole board, so I didn't have to pick this game. But I'm taking mm-hmm. USC plus the four and a half in the Pac-12 championship mm-hmm. game. Um, mm-hmm. I've had weeks where I didn't like USC, but this is a week where I look at Stanford and I say, great program recently. Sean Harbaugh, you know, last five or six, seven years. Uh, they had a big, big win last week, an emotional win against Notre Dame, one that came down to the end. People are talking about them now for the championship. They beat USC at USC by 10 points, but that was USC coached by flag football Steve Sarkeesian. I happened to be in the audience that day watching his bubble screens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a different USC team, and the other thing is it's very difficult, and you and I have talked about this over the years both privately and on air, to beat a decent football team two times. The inclination right. is Stanford's probably going to look at the film the first time and say, let's just do what we did before. The problem is they're playing a completely different USC team this time. They play differently. Mm-hmm. They're coached differently. Just a different team. So 
I'll take the four and a half points. Traditionally, USC Stanford has been a one-score game. Seven of the last eight or something like that have been decided by one score, the last game being the outlier, the 10-point game that I was at. So I'll take four and a half. Who I think is going to be a, a nip-and-tuck type ball game. You follow the uh, Pac-12 quite hard. Does it? Am I wrong if it seems like uh, every year we're getting rematches in this Pac-12 game? Or am I just... It does seem like that, and part of the, you know, the Pac-12 has that rotating schedule, so you play your five in your division and your four crossovers, and the problem I've always had with the way conferences are constructed, I really wish division champions were decided by only division record, if that makes any mm, yeah, sense to you. Uh, Same uh, thing in the SEC. I wonder why that works that way, but yeah, I'm with you on that. Because let's face it, if USC USC and their out-of-conference this year played Oregon and Stanford, so they've got two of the, the best teams in the North. So Now, granted, they won their division anyway. They went 5-0 and in their division. But to me, that's the way it should be. What if they lost that division going 5-0 and uh, because they played those two teams and somebody else happened to play Oregon State and whoever? You know, pick it, Cal. You know? Yeah, yeah, you were breaking up a little bit there, but I understand you. So we'll recap it for the fans. Uh, We've the got Baylor minus the 20 against against Texas, who I still love, but they're not going to cover this week. We got Kansas State plus 6.5, and, mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. got the USC Trojans plus 4.5 in the Pac-12 title game. Look at you, back in those Trojans, uh, setting yourself up for double heartbreak on this uh, Perhaps, but strategy. last week I didn't back them, so it's not like this is an every week thing. I really was surprised by last week's result. Well, it's good to know I'm not on the uh, I'm not uh, on this show here with a with a professional hedger. All right, here's where I'm going uh, with this whole thing. Let's start off with that ACC championship game. It's North Carolina taking on Clemson. Uh, North Carolina quietly, quietly has just gone out and racked up 11 wins on this season. Um, I'm sure they're still kicking themselves about what went down in that opener against South Carolina, certainly a team that they would beat sideways if they were to play them now. Uh, North Carolina, had they not messed around in that game, would be sitting in that top four and be an undefeated football team, and what a hell of a season that is. Uh, Clemson is that team that North Carolina wishes they were. They are the number one team in the country, firmly set in the playoffs and uh, undefeated and all those great things. Um, So there's going to be a bit of envy coming into this game. And there are a couple of things in North Carolina's season that has drawn my attention. They went out and absolutely destroyed Duke, hanging 66 points on them, um, uh, over 700 yards of offense, beat them 66-31. The typical thing that you have happen Uh, in college football, even in the NFL, when you have a game like this, is a letdown the next week. You just can't get your mind right because you think you're just that great. Well, what they do, they went out the next week and beat Miami 59-21. to And that tells me a little something about this team, that they are either really, really very good, that they can overcome a mental lapse, or they are very strong mentally and can have themselves focused each and every week. And um, that's that's an important factor for me. And then on the heels of those back-to-back blowout wins, North Carolina now goes on the road and in back-to-back games gets wins at Virginia Tech, which is still a tough place to win, and then beating NC State uh, by double digits on the road. I think this is a good North Carolina – I think this is a great North Carolina team uh, that had that one slip-up. And if they were undefeated – 
you know, would this be the line or would it be a three-point game or would this game even be pick em? And I think you can throw that first game out against South Carolina. I think right now North Carolina um, is about as good a team as Clemson at this moment, and they're getting four and a half points. Clemson couldn't keep focus last week against South Carolina. Got out to a win, decided to shut things down. Uh, we're good. South Carolina almost came back in the game and beat them. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they were in Syracuse, had a little bit of a problem focusing there. Matter of fact, I don't think they've played pretty good football since they beat Florida State um, You know, about a month ago. Uh, they, like I said, struggled against Syracuse. Uh, gave up 13 points against Wake Forest and almost let South Carolina come back and beat them last week. I don't know where Clemson is mentally. So I will take a very good North Carolina team getting four and a half points in this game and roll with them uh, in upset fashion. That's why we have you on the show, to point out all those things that I didn't see in breaking this game down. I I understand your logic. Yeah, that's the stuff I'm going to jump on. Uh, Big Ten championship game, Amol. I had a chance to watch Iowa for the first time last week, so I'm admitting that to the uh, listeners right now. I've only seen one Iowa football game this year. But they got a fan in me because I think I've been around this game long enough to know that teams like Iowa win games, piss people off. You don't see any exciting big-time wide receivers. You don't see uh, a lights-out running back. There's no Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker back there. Um, you know, there's no, you know, give, there's no Jameis Winston back there throwing the football. Uh, there's no Joey Bosa. There's none of that. Okay, you don't even know the names of these players on this team. But I know this: this don't turn the ball over. Don't get too many stupid penalties. Um, they don't give up big plays. They do all the things that you do to win football games, and that's who Iowa is right now. And everyone's mad that Iowa Hawkeyes are in the top four, and I think it's something that has continued to fuel them. They're just playing good old-fashioned Hawkeyes football right now. And uh, I think Michigan State played their everything in that Ohio State game. And they're coming to go play this Iowa team that uh, the players – Maybe the coaches aren't taking any mention to it, but the players have been listening to in social media and TV just how Iowa doesn't belong. And I think they're going to have that in their head. And they're coming into this game, Michigan State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against an Iowa football team that really just does everything right. I'm going to roll with that Iowa team that I saw. I'm going to just go on my however many years of experience I have watching Yeah, I, I like your logic on Iowa. that game, to be honest with you, buddy. I, 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 I kind of feel the same way about this game. I didn't pick it, but... Uh... It just to me this this feels like a game that 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 is going to be tight and and you're getting three and a half points. I don't think this could be an old time uh, Big Ten 2017 type game. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I take the three and a half points. Yeah, I can. I mean, Iowa could actually lose this game and still win. Uh, for me, in terms of a, a point spread point of view, they're three and a half point underdogs. This game could be twenty to seventeen, twenty three, twenty, seventeen, fourteen. You just I have a feeling if I was going to lose, it's going to be like that. I don't see Michigan State coming in here and blowing them out. Uh, but I do see Iowa as the winner, so I'm happily taking those three-and-a-half points. And then there is the Pac-12 championship game that you picked. And uh, for all of the grief I gave you, Amol, I'm with you. Um, there are folks out there saying, man, this is going to look bad if uh, USC names Helton the uh, coach and then he goes and gets his head handed to him by uh, Stanford. Um, and you know me and I'm still healing my wounds from losing a rematch in high school football, it is indeed tough to beat a team, a good team, twice in the same season. 
And I think USC learned something about their football team last week in not only winning the game, but the way that they played. You do have good athletes at USC. You can win matchups by just being simplistic and saying our athletes are going to beat your athletes. And I think defensively we're going to see some of that for USC. Sure, I'm a little worried about them stopping the run. Um, You know, USC did give up. Some pretty good rushing yardage in the last game, 195 points. But you know, 195 yards, USC did their fair share of rushing the football, too, in that last game. So with USC USC being able to rush the football, I think they can find themselves in a situation where they have some pretty good matchups outside that they can win. I think USC comes up with the big plays that they need in this game to reverse that 41-31 loss that they had against Stanford earlier in the year. So I'm going to roll with your USC Trojans on that. So. Um, wow, I'm almost I'm gonna... scared. I'm almost scared now. But you know, one thing that did strike me about this year's Stanford team is it's not it's a good defensive team, but it's not a great defensive team. I mean, the they can have the ball moved on them by by good offenses, and that's where I think you know four and a half points is just too many. Yeah, I mean, let's look at it. Notre Dame put up 36 points on them. Oregon put up 38 on them. Washington State put up 28. UCLA, 35. This same Trojans team, 31. USC, 31. I was at the yeah. USC. USC moved the ball up and down the field that day. It wasn't about their offense. It was about they, they and, forgot and to stop anybody. And rushed for 155 yards, by the way, off of just 28 carries. And so yeah. I think USC sees a little moistness there, and I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more and, like I said, set themselves up for some big plays outside. I like USC in, in the rematch. So I'm rolling with uh, North Carolina as a four-and-a-half-point underdog, USC as a four-point underdog, and Iowa. I'm going to the dogs. I'm taking Iowa also as a three-and-a-half point underdog we got to do some nfl so we're going to take a really really quick break when we get back amal and i break down the nfl matchups and give you our picks stay tuned we'll be right back right after this property owner or want to be one but you don't have time for property management then get an MVP on your team who has time for the letting process for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance no one's got time for that MVP does though get this MVP on your team you can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. We're back here. It's Football Friday on a Thursday. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. We just went through college football. Before we jump into these NFL games, um, it is uh, interesting. I just saw this from uh, Adam Schefter, someone uh, quite frankly respected highly in this business. 
saying that the uh, San Francisco 49ers, you remember that franchise that was part of the NFL uh, not too long ago, Yes, have yeah, looked very play, sure. hard at Johnny Manziel. What do you think about Johnny Manziel being in uh, San Francisco? <laughs> I think San Francisco's lost in the woods without a map. Oh, man. Um, the clown show goes west. I don't know. You think he could hold it together in that town? Uh, listen, I'm just waiting for the rumors to start with Jerry trading for him as uh, Romo's backup. So I mean, hey, let him go to man. San was Jerry not first. was was Jerry not saved from himself there? Was he not completely saved from himself? Yeah, his son, his son drafted an All Pro guard for him, <laughs> saved him from himself. Good. I know. God, it could have been a, yet another circus, which you know Jerry seems to favor. But all right, let's talk uh, games. Uh, that are out there. We're gonna go with our picks first and foremost, right out of right out of the gate. Uh, I I usually go first in the NFL, so I'll, we'll do that here, and I'll jump on tonight's do, game. Do you want it's the record, or do you want to just not yeah, talk throw them out there? Um, we we should probably all of you out there mute your phones as we give these out. But yes, yeah, please pros do. have been nothing like college for us. Uh, Chad's Chad's at twelve and twenty one in the pros, and I'm at thirteen and twenty one. So it's been nothing Good like college. Lord for have mercy. Yeah, that's ugly. That's ugly. Yeah. But here we are, another week with a chance to uh, change that. And I'm going to jump right out on tonight's game. Uh, it's Green Bay and Detroit, and we did talk a little bit in the last segment in college football about rematches, and this is one. And it's one heck of a rematch because Detroit went into Green Bay and did the impossible earlier this year and took out the Packers in their place. Um, you can expect that Green Bay is quite unhappy about that. And in Green Bay is also needing to get their act together. There's like double motivation here. The Packers are off of a loss playing in a revenge game. Uh, for their trouble, they are being given the benefit of the doubt in Vegas as a three-point favorite, which I believe they should be. Uh, Detroit, uh, on national television, on Turkey Day, beat the stuffing out of Philadelphia. You like what I did there? Beat the stuffing yes, out of the Eagles. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was very nice. Beat the stuffing out of the Eagles for all to see. Even the uh, most casual of fans observe that, and I think uh, the uh, – Fine professionals in uh, Las Vegas have seized that opportunity and um, have not made the Packers quite the favorite that they would have been had this not happened. But I think this is all Green Bay here. Green Bay cannot call themselves a serious contender for Lombardi's trophy this year if they get swept by the Detroit Lions. Just plain and simple. That's what it is. And you're coming off of a loss already to a division opponent. You lost to Chicago last week. You can't now turn around and get swept by Detroit or Green Bay. You know, let's call it a season. So this is really do or die for the Packers. You're going to get their best game here. Uh, Detroit might be junk, drunk off of turkey legs. So I'm going to roll with Green Bay as a three-point favorite in this one. Uh, okay, there we Johnny go. Johnny Manziel? Yeah, I'm riding right early. Uh, right now, tonight, we're going to know uh, which direction I'm heading in uh, this weekend in terms of the NFL? Uh, I, you know, I just I kicked this thing off talking about Johnny Manziel. Maybe I, you know, I did that on purpose to have some kind of segue to this. I am going to pick a Cleveland Browns game, and not only am I going to pick a Cleveland's Brown game, I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns. How about that? I must be drunk. Oh boy, it's, uh, not even noon. Yeah, I'm going to roll with the Browns in this one. Um, you know why? Because Austin Davis is going to be the quarterback. And uh, there's no film on this guy as a Cleveland Brown, right. except save two or three throws that looked actually pretty good. So right. that's what I'm shooting with. They're double-digit uh, underdogs in this game at home. Cincinnati is, you know, flying a little high uh, after getting a, a, a win last week in blowout fashion against St. Louis. They might be a little drunk and giddy. And then they got Pittsburgh next week. So no reason to 
pay attention to lowly old Cleveland. Uh, I think they'll look past him, and Austin Davis is going to light it up. And, uh, you know, if Johnny wasn't drinking last week, he's going to be drinking this week because Austin Davis is going to look good and might hold on to that job. Johnny might even roll something up and smoke it right there on the sidelines for all <laughs> us to see. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't put anything by old Johnny. So I think this is uh, uh, a big game for Austin Davis. Might even pick him in one of my uh, fantasy football games to kind of light up the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to go all in. I'm putting all my chips in on that one. So I'm taking the Cleveland Browns, okay. and then uh, I'm going to I'm going to do something else. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are, are uh, also in a rematch contest here against the Atlanta Falcons. Now. Tampa Bay went to Atlanta and won earlier this year, so it would stand to reason if I'm staying on my theme that I would go against Tampa Bay in this one, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I like the way Tampa's played. They are, uh, you know, coming off of a loss, albeit it was on the road. They were playing back-to-back road games, so I don't, you know, kind of tough for them to, to do that. They haven't reached that level in the franchise yet. But Atlanta is struggling right now, Emil. Uh They just can't find, for as good as they were early on, they're as bad as they are right now, and they just can't find their way here and uh, I don't like the way things went for them the first time they played the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean they had a hundred yard rushing game and still lost I don't like them on the road in this one and that's just the plain and simple I think the Bucks get back on uh, I like the way Jameis Winston's been playing especially at home so I will uh, I will take this Tampa Bay Bucks team and pray that they don't disappoint me so that's what I'm rolling with Bucks uh what are they one and a half point favorite one and a half rolling Rolling with the Bucks, one and a half. Cleveland uh, catching. What are they? Nine and a half or ten? Can I get that? Nine 10? and a half. Can I get, can I get it? Can I, uh, nine no, you can't. Right. Let's do, we're not buying a half point game here. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. You got nine uh, and a half. So I'm going to take Cleveland as a nine and a half point underdog behind uh, that monster Austin Davis getting the start at quarterback, and then Green Bay tonight. Green Bay, yeah, they win tonight or they're you can count them out, folks, as three point favorites. What do you got for us, yeah. the fine folks at home? Okay, here we go. Um, I'm going to start where we agree. I love Tampa Bay in this game. You know, they came off back-to-back road games. Um, they had their chances to win that game against the Colts. Young team, they didn't get it done. They come home, and they're playing Warren Sapp's favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons, who Warren predicted back in September would not be the team that people thought they might be, and he was right. Uh, the, the, the Falcons are falling apart. They're in free fall. They've lost five out of six. Tampa's a motivated young team. They're trying to build on what they, they have there, put together a nice season for themselves. They only have to win this game, basically, and I think they get it done, much like you do. So uh, I'll lay the one and a half. Yeah, hey, I kind of like that pick. Yeah, I do, I do. Next one's going to surprise some people. I mean, you know, Houston uh, t- uh, Texans have been on a roll. They've won five out of six, four straight games, and they go up to Buffalo. Now, somebody in the NFL office does not like the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills – six-game stretch here, starting on November 12th, was at the Jets, at the Patriots, at the Chiefs. First of all, getting three straight road games scheduled in the NFL is uh, happens about eight times a year. They happen to be one of the teams. But wait, it gets better. They play Houston at home this week, then they go on the road two weeks in a row. So you're talking, this team has been scheduled to play five out of six road games in the NFL. So if I'm Buffalo's GM or president, I'm calling Goodell. But the one game they do get is at home against the Texans. They're only a three-point favorite. They're five and six. Right still in the thick of the AFC wild card, because that's how average the NFL's been this year. And Houston's going to start some young guy, whether it's a T.Y. Yates, whoever they're going to put back there against a pretty good pass rush. 
I think the Houston win streak comes to an end here. I think the Bills will get it done at home. They had a lead early last week. They let it slip away against Kansas City. They're finally going to have some home cooking, maybe some cold weather for the Texans. I'll take the Bills minus three. The Bills it is. Western New York. Go ahead. Um, I think the Denver Broncos have maybe found something in this young quarterback, but it's a little early. And uh, he goes on the road now, and the Broncos and uh, Mr. Osweiler are probably giddy after upsetting the previously unbeaten New England Patriots. They play a division rival, the 3-8 and eight San Diego Chargers, and they're four-point favorites. I'm going to take the Chargers plus four. What they showed me last week when I took them against the Jacksonville Jaguars is they do have some professional pride. They went out. If they were ever going to just not show up, it would be a road trip across the country uh, to, to play Jacksonville. They did show up. Not only did they show up, they won the game outright. I think they come home here. Uh, against a very hated rival, the Broncos, and really play well. Uh, they're getting four. I'm not going to be shocked at all if San Diego upsets Denver and wins this game outright. But in the NFL, four points is a lot. I mean, especially at home, uh, they, they just have to hang around. And I, I just you're, don't you're just see gonna Denver. Take a, you're just going to take a piss on the NFL like that. Uh, the Denver Broncos go and upset uh, everyone's darling, the New England Patriots, and now people are talking about the Broncos possibly being the team in the AFC. I even heard uh, two. Yes, because we know, know that never happens in the NFL, right? We know, no, we man, know. They, no, follow the no, script, Amo, for crying out loud. No, the, the script doesn't play in the NFL. So I will take the Chargers plus four. To recap, we have the Buccaneers minus one and a half, the Bills minus three, and the Chargers plus four. Hey, you know. Just me, but uh, I think that Bucks pick is your best one. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> you yeah, like I that one, that huh? Buck, I think you got gold in that Bucks pick. All right, if you're just tuning in, uh, both Amel and I agree. Tampa Bay, the Tampa, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best play uh, on the NFL board this weekend. Uh, I do want to remind the folks out there that uh, Amel and I are combined 25 and 42 on the season in the <laughs> NFL. So do what you want with that little nugget I just threw your way. So there we are. Uh, what else do we need to speak of, though, uh, on the NFL board? Jets, Giants, anyone care? Do you have a pick? I think the best I think the best game on the board, or at least the most interesting to me so far that I'm looking at, is that Minnesota-Seattle game. It's a pick em up in Minnesota. Um, I like Minnesota Seattle. there, and I'm, uh, I've been a closet Seattle fan, but I, I like Minnesota at home in this one. Um. Yeah, I could see where you would. I just have a feeling Seattle's going to have a little run in them. I can play some decent football now for a while. I don't know why. I just I got, I think that, we, I got a gut uh, there. I, I think we do need to pay serious attention to the Seattle Seahawks if they do stroll in here to Minnesota and get the win. Oddly enough, I've, I've listened to two talk show hosts uh, this week who have uh, had the Seattle Seahawks in their top ten in terms of the power rankings, and and, uh, and that's with a Seattle team that's – you know, six and five on the season. So, well, that may be a little bit based on history. We know how a lot of these uh, talk show hosts work in the national media. They may just be remembering sure. the last three seasons. You know, pandering to the base, I guess. Um, can we see an upset in New Orleans? Is that a possibility? Can the other undefeated uh, just with New Orleans? I mean, they just uh, the offense isn't doing anything. They scored six points last week, and you know, I just don't know if they have enough defense to slow down what Carolina brings to the party. I mean, Carolina's going to run the ball at them and say, you know, here it comes, stop it. And I'm not sure, you yeah. know, do they have the will? Do they have the will right now? That's the other thing. It's going to be a physical game. Does North Carolina? Does North? Does New Orleans yes. have the will to stand in there? 
Saints don't do physical uh, so much. Here's a game that the Rams will win. Uh, Arizona flying high, coming in, six-point favorites. Everyone expects them to win. This is the kind of crap where the Rams will pull out a, a double-digit win uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. This is how they operate. I almost made this a pick because I feel like whenever Fisher – uh, becomes in battle there. For some reason, it takes that for his players to rally and play a game. And, you know, last week he was, you know, dirty football, all this, you know, team not ready. You're right. This is one of those games where some, for some reason it seems like the Rams will just, you know, say, why don't you play like that every week? You'll watch the game, they'll, they'll win the game, and you'll be like, why don't you play like that most of the time? So I have a feeling this game, uh, if I was playing it, I would take the six points. Yeah. Um, because we 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 know how the Rams operate. They do they do nothing that they're supposed to. You want to talk about being off the script? That's the St. Louis Rams uh, this season and in uh, seasons previous. Uh, anything else? Well, you Arizona's want to talk about? got Why that huge game, by the favorites? way. Wait, Why? wait, one Why second. Why they four point Air- favorites? Go ahead. Who? The Dolphins. Why are they four point favorites over anyone? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, they just fired their offensive coordinator, and you're making them a four point favorite. I got no idea. She got me. I have no idea. No, if I was taking that game, I'd take the Ravens. They showed some signs of life by by playing hard last week. Uh, Yeah, well, um, yeah, I would, if I was rolling that way, I would, uh, I would certainly be looking at the Ravens in that one. But, you know, again, uh, 25 and 42, I do need to keep throwing that out there. Um, so, all right, I think that's it for, for you. I I still got to keep this train rolling. Uh, I got Nick De La Torre coming up with me from Gator Country to talk about just exactly how the uh, Florida Gators are going to stop a train by the name of Henry. Um, and so I do need to do that. Okay. Thank you, my friend, you do that. as I'll, always. I'll see you on Monday. Yes, uh, we'll talk over the weekend. But uh, I'm going to take a break. And uh, everyone say goodbye to Amo, my esteemed co-host. We're going to take a quick break. When I get back, it's Florida Gators Talk Time here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I will be back right after this. Con los terroristas. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
we're back. Football Friday on a Thursday on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson here with you. Uh, there's a big one going down in the Georgia Dome on Saturday. It is SEC Championship. It's Alabama who uh, makes it a point of being there, if not every year, every other year. But there's kind of a, a, an old face that's a new face this year in this game and someone that no one expected to be in this contest. And uh, that's the Florida Gators who roll into this game with a 10-2 and record and uh, a chance to be SEC champs, albeit a very slim one, if we go according to what the media and Las Vegas has to say. Uh, 15.5-point underdogs, 16-point underdogs, I think the Gators are in this game. And uh, on right now to talk about that uh, and more is uh, my next guest, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, how you doing? Doing well, yeah. Florida is uh, the second biggest dog in SEC championship history. Uh, Arkansas was the biggest dog, and uh, Florida took care of them with the uh, Darren McFadden uh, Razorbacks that made it to Atlanta. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was uh, thinking about – I had asked that question early on in the broadcast. Uh, I was wondering if Florida was the biggest underdog ever in this game. And by and large, Nick, uh, I don't have the data in front of me, but just off of the top of my head, it seems that most often the favorites in these SEC championship games uh, usually are the ones that walk away with the victories. So uh, a very tall task on hand here for the Florida Gators. What are, what's your feel on this football game? Um, it, I'm, I'm a fan of old-fashioned football. Um, I like hitting. Um, I like fullbacks. Um, so – when I see these two defenses, I get excited, um, and then I remember what Florida's offense looks like. So I don't know how Florida scores points, uh, but this will be the best defense that Alabama has had to face um, this entire season. So it may be interesting to see uh, how Jake Coker handles that. Um, El Tractor Cito, Derrick Henry, is only 203 yards away from being the 25th player um, in college football history to get 2,000 in a season. I don't think he gets that Saturday. Um, but it, to me, it would be interesting to see how Alabama uh, and that offense handles Florida's defense. Um, I don't know how Florida's offense handles Alabama's defense. Uh, I would I would venture to say for Florida, offensively, you got to do a whole lot different than what you did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite frankly, if we can reflect now, we'll come back to this Alabama game. Let's let's reflect on what went down last week. It's a game against your rival. Certainly, uh, you don't want to lose to Florida State because their fans can be uh, some of the most ruthless in the world. And so, uh, they have uh, continued in that in that direction um, for for uh, a good what are we four or five days now. They're not going to let anyone from Florida forget it. So it's a, you know 365 days. <laughs> Um, of this, uh, what would you see offensively there? I did, I thought the playbook, I thought it would be a little bit more open in this game. Do you share that thought? Or yeah, I think what FSU really did is, is you see Derwin James, who looks like anything but a freshman. Uh, I think they used him to spy on Treon a lot um, to kind of keep him in the pocket, and and everyone points to well, Treon looks so good against LSU, or looked much better against LSU. Why why haven't we seen a progression? And the problem is, once you put what you do on tape, teams start to mm-hmm. take away what you do well. So now, mm-hmm. Treon's probably his best asset is being able to run. You put a guy like Derwin James spying on him, you're going to keep him in the pocket and, and picking apart defenses, you know, picking apart his own defense is not 
what Treon does well. So once you put that on tape, teams are going to start doing it. And then when you struggle with it on tape, uh, they're just going to continue doing it. The problem with Florida is the depth at, mm-hmm. at quarterback with just Josh Grady and Jacob Guy behind Treon. You're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place if you're calling plays. So if we decide to run Treon more, we think that'll help the offense. Well, what happens if he gets a sprained ankle in the first quarter? What what do we do offensively after that? So I think that's where Florida has kind of been stuck uh, um, with Treon. But heading into this game, there is no game next week. You're not saving anything for next week. Um, you you won't play again until January 1st probably in the Citrus Bowl. So maybe you will see some more read options, some more quarterback draws, some things that Alabama has struggled with um, in the past with mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, sure. Um, and, I, I you know, this might sound crazy, but it almost seems to me like uh, the Florida Gator staff went into this thing saying, okay, Here's where we are. We're going to be realistic about where we are right now. We're going to win one of these next two games, probably not mm-hmm. both. So maybe we're sacrificing the Florida State game uh, so that we can uh, set ourselves up to win the Alabama game. If you asked the majority of Florida fans, I'm going to ask you to put you know your fan hat on, if there was a choice between winning the Florida State game or this game right here, where do you think uh, they would fall on that? Uh, I think that's tough. So one of them is a championship, um, mm-hmm. and, and the other is probably your your most hated rival. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about a lot about Mark Rick yesterday with him taking a new job, um, but he he won two games against Florida in 15 years that Will Muschamp wasn't the coach at Florida. So uh, not a ton of bragging rights for Georgia fans. You know, over the past uh, you know decade and a half. Um, Florida and Florida State are always close, and Florida fans grow up next to Florida State fans. So I might even say that you'd rather win the Florida State game because, frankly, Florida shouldn't be playing this Saturday. They're a year ahead uh, or maybe two years ahead of schedule. Um, Mm. Jim McElwain in his opening press conference said, you know, I hope the next time I see Nick Saban uh, is around this time uh, next year in Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. I think most of the people, most of the media in the room laughed at him, but uh, right. it turned out to be true. So I, I think Florida fans would trade an SEC loss to Alabama this year um, when, when they feel like maybe Florida shouldn't be there uh, for a win against Florida State and, like you said, those 365 days of bragging rights. Yeah, uh, Demarcus Robinson missing from the game last week. How much? Uh, how much was he missed? And uh, tell us what what happened there, and, and how is he now back on the team? Give us an update on that. Uh, so it, it was uh, a violation of team rules. We heard that uh, he he left the team hotel, um, suspended for the game. It, it seemed to me this is the fourth time he's been suspended uh, in his three years at Florida. It seemed to me like. Jim McElwain kind of washed his hands of the situation um, and, and left it up to the team. So um, he left it up to the seniors. They met, talked it over, uh, and ultimately they decided to let DeMarcus back um, this week to play. He was back at practice uh, on Tuesday. To me, what it does is Florida doesn't have a lot of proven playmakers on offense. So if you take mm-hmm. one of them in DeMarcus off the field, now the sole mm-hmm. focus of the defense shifts to stopping Kelvin Taylor and covering Antonio Callaway and make someone else beat us. 
Ford hasn't really sure. been able to do that this year. So it, it, it's for a team that doesn't have um, a ton of weapons on offense to take one of your biggest ones out uh, mm-hmm. is, is pretty devastating to an offense that's already struggling. Sure, sure. Uh, I thought he was sorely, sorely missed in the game. Whether or not he would have made a difference in the final outcome, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on that. Um, listen, I, we, I talked about it yesterday uh, because it was a recruiting roundtable show. Um, what can you tell us the latest on uh, Jacob Eason and Felipe Franks? That whole, that whole situation going on there. What are the chances of Felipe Franks and Jacob Eason being uh, in this Gators 2016 class? Well, uh, so the interesting thing is that Florida's first quarterback, Kyle Trask, um, a big six foot six quarterback from Texas, is also in the fold. And I don't think Florida has room for three quarterbacks in the class. Um, they have room for about 32 in this class, which is a huge class. But when you mm-hmm. start to think about players leaving on defense, um, needing to rebuild an offensive line, those 32 spots start filling up quick, and you may not need three quarterbacks or have room for three. So if Jacob Eason wants in, he's the number two quarterback in the country, you let him in. You don't turn him Mm -hmm. down. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, that's interesting. Does Florida find a way to make room for three? I don't think so. Um, uh, Eason was on campus yesterday, took in practice, got, you know, the the red carpet rolled out for a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, he's also the quarterback who's most ready of the three to play opening day everyone knows every Mm -hmm. Gator fan knows that Will Greer has to sit out until the seventh game Um, Mm -hmm. that leaves Treon Harris if he's still a Gator uh, by that time next fall and uh, Luke Del Rio a transfer so Mm -hmm. Florida doesn't have depth there um, and I think for both Franks and Trask need to redshirt so if Jacob Easton does pull the trigger and come to Florida I think he's immediately in the running Um, and then if he's plays well, that makes things interesting when Greer comes back um, for that seventh game against Missouri. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, I, I heard the, the, the strong messages being sent out about Will Greer staying and uh, shooting down some rumors that had started up early in the week about him withdrawing. But uh, quite frankly, Nick, I think uh, Will Greer is going to pay very close attention to what's going on this spring. And if Jacob Eason yeah. or Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask look like they're going to be pretty good football players, and you combine that with Del Rio continuing to impress people as he had going into this whole thing, I think Will Greer is going to probably have to really think long and hard about continuing a career at Florida. Am I right or wrong on that? Uh, On the surface, yes, but when you look into the suspension, so uh, a lot of kids that aren't happy with playing time or, or get homesick can go to a junior college play that year and then go to a division one school or they can transfer to a division one school and just sit out a year. That suspension isn't going away. The NCAA has rules in place that Greer wouldn't be able to go to a JUCO in 2016 and then come and play right away in 2017. Whoa. He's going to sit out those. That's very interesting. What, what, what is the rule on that? The The NCAA, the NCAA, views that as as a as a player who's suspended for NCAA rule they view transferring away to a, to a non NCAA school as running away from suspension so if greer were to go to a junior college and then say go to uh north carolina closer to home he that suspension still waits for him so now you're talking about missing 2016 
and then half of 2017 if you're transferring out. So, and I think that's a lot of people who are putting these rumors out on social media don't understand that you're not getting around those six games. So you can stay at Florida and be back next October, or you can transfer. And now you're getting to the point where you're going to be a redshirt junior and not playing halfway, not being able to play until halfway into your redshirt junior season. Wow. That's a kicker. I don't know if I like that. Uh, I don't know if that would be so much running away from a suspension uh, rather than trying to get yourself into a better position uh, when you do return. Because, quite frankly, you get hit with a year's suspension, you know, the team's not going to stand still. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna move on. They're going to move on without you. So I think that's, that's uh, pretty tough. But that's news to me. I'm glad you told me about that because I was one of those that thought that that's how that could be handled. So that's... Uh, very, very interesting. Well, listen, uh, let's close this out on the whole Florida-Alabama thing. What, in your opinion, can Florida do offensively? Uh, I think we know what the deal is on, on defense. You, you're gonna, you, you know, you got to stop the big truck back there, get them running sideways, and then cover their guys because you're know, obviously going to take quite a few people to stop Derrick Henry, and that means you're going to be isolated outside. But offensively, what would you like to see the Gators do uh, to give themselves a chance in this ballgame? Score first. Uh, we talked earlier in the year uh, when, when Florida was still undefeated about they've been doing a good job of scoring on that second drive of the game or the first drive of the game and then letting that defense play with the lead. So if Florida can score first and, and put some pressure on Alabama, maybe even get up two scores, you know, a 10 nothing kind of situation, and, and make Jacob Coker kind of beat them. So to me, it, it's Florida's defense is good. The offense just needs to get them a little wiggle room. Joey Ivey told us last week some of the defensive players kind of looked up in the fourth quarter at the scoreboard and lost hope. This is a defense, and I don't think you can say enough about momentum when you're talking about college-age kids. If Florida's mm-hmm. offense can just get a little momentum and start believing, you know, all week in practice – the coaches are telling you this is the game plan. If we execute this, we're going to win. If you see that working early and you get that confidence and you can build some momentum, um, they can build off of that. And then Florida's defense with a lead, if, if they can get a lead early, um, I like Florida's defense with a lead against any team in the country, really. Sure. Uh, yeah, Getting a lead like that, they can play a little bit of some stifling defense and uh, really turn this into something. And so uh, if you're a Florida fan, you're hopeful for something like that. I'll be there in attendance um, right there front and center. I think it's a great thing that Florida and Alabama playing in this game. Uh, nothing against Missouri, man, but uh, we didn't really want to keep seeing that. Um, let's get back to the old days. Florida and Alabama smashing heads there in the Georgia Dome, man. Appreciate you coming on and talking Florida Gators football with us. Absolutely. See you in Atlanta. All right. That is Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com talking uh, Florida Gators football and uh, talking about the matchup coming up on Saturday, the SEC championship game with a couple of the old guard in there, Florida and uh, Florida and Alabama banging heads there. All right. From Florida Gators football, I'm going to roll on over now to some University of Miami football. I don't know. Not much to talk about. There in this one, right? Um, nothing going on down in Coral Gables, huh, Rob Cassidy? <laughs> yeah, it's all quiet around here. You know how that is. Yeah. Um, let's do. Well, obviously, we're not going to be doing any breaking news here. It was broken yesterday. Uh, Mark Richt is the new guy down 
in uh, Coral Gables. But let's talk about the search. Tell us what you know about that search um, in terms of who was interviewed and uh, how could you how how were they able to do this so quickly with Mark Richt? Well, you know, I think that you, you have a plan A and a plan B when you're when you're in a coaching search, and you know they were interviewing guys. They interviewed Big Shano. I think that's pretty common knowledge. Uh, a couple other guys never interviewed Mario Cristobal. And then when Rick came on the market, I think that, you know, it's – I don't think it takes a coaching hiring wizard to uh, <laughs> to want to bring in a guy, at least to interview, that, you know, had so much success, especially in a conference like the SEC, that has had some history recruiting Florida. Uh, I mean, it just kind of seemed like a no-brainer to at least bring him in. Um, and, you know, it's a good fit. It's I mean, obviously, it was – a lucky break for Miami in a lot of different ways that, you know, Georgia went ahead and made that call and let him go at the time when, when Miami was in the market for a coach, um, you know, nine out of 10 different years, you're not going to have a guy like that on the open market. Miami's not going to have that opportunity. So it's a little bit fortunate for them. And I think, you know, hurricane fans are happy. Uh, uh, They didn't interview Mario Cristobal. um, And he was a name many people uh, had high up early on in this whole coaching search thing. Um, a lot of the media members went out and interviewed, you know, uh, potential recruits, and by and large, the name being thrown out there was Mario Cristobal. So tell us why he possibly why he was not interviewed for this job. What would be the reason behind that? You know, the, the reason that I can come up with, granted, I'm not in the Miami Athletic Office, is you would think simply because Rick was on the market, right? You have to think that you know he may have been interviewed had it been a different situation and Rick had not been available. Uh, if that's not the case, you know, there could be something to them wanting to go in a different direction. I've always said that the Miami fan base and the Miami boosters want to be the U. The Miami athletic department wants to be Miami University. And sometimes mm. they'll go out of their way, I think, to kind of subvert that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, I'm not a member of the Miami athletic department. I'm not in those meetings. Uh, that's just me projecting. Um, but, you know, that, mm-hmm. that could be a secondary reason for why they didn't look toward Crystal Ball. He didn't really leave under the greatest of terms the first time, from what I understand. Uh, so who knows? There could be something to that. But I'm not going to say with any certainty that that's what happened. Yeah, and I know you're, you're you know, uh, making some assumptions there. I'll allow for that. I think the whole he didn't leave under good terms the last time, I think that is foolhardy. You know, you get a chance it's to okay. – yeah, boost your pay and go be and learn from uh, perhaps the greatest coach in our era. Um, you're going to jump at that 100 times out of 100. So, you know, I folks would. who are upset about that, and there are people who are, need to really get over themselves. Oh, yeah, I could definitely concur. I mean, it's really easy to sit around and throw stones at dudes when you're not the one whose career is on the line, you know? <laughs> Nobody exactly. You know, like it's really easy for me to say, "Hey, why'd you do that?" But, you know, nobody's offering me a few million dollars to jump ship. Yeah, sure. I'm, I mean, and even if it was for or at or around the same amount of money, the chance to go work with the best in this game or in your industry, I think anyone, no matter what you know line of work you're in, would make that move. So that just uh, seems a little bit silly to me. But nevertheless, uh, moving along, what's the immediate impact um, in terms? Of recruiting, it sounds like most of the recruits are happy about this. Uh, without having to really name anyone, have you encountered at all anyone with uh, some resistance to this hire? No, you know I've only talked to I don't know probably ten prospects since mm-hmm. it went down. 
Um, it's a splash, and, you know, recruits like these splash hires. You know, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. that, you know, just kind of loosely follow recruiting think that all these kids are way up on every candidate. But when the truth is, you know, they don't know a lot of coordinators' names. They don't know a lot of even head coaches' names with smaller programs. I talked to a lot of kids that had come into Florida that had no idea who Jim McElwain was when they hired. Sure. Uh, so when you when you can make a splash, <laughs> it makes an impact. And, you know, say what you will about the hire. Who knows how it's going to turn out? But it is a splash, and, you know, everybody knows Mark Rick, and, you know, that is uh, a way to jumpstart recruiting. Right, sure. Um, you know, I I did mention this yesterday. When it comes to coaching searches, fans really want uh, a big name. That's what they want. They don't want to have to Google the name of the coach you just hired. Uh, they don't want to be going to any reference site to try and find out what he's done record-wise. They want someone – that they know, which is, you know, part of the reason why you don't let fans hire your next coach because there's got to be more to it than that. And I think players want someone that they like, which that, too, isn't always the greatest thing in the world. It has to be a certain amount of, uh, I think, respect and fear uh, of the guy that uh, uh, that's coming in. You know, so sometimes you need, you know, you need a, a whip cracked a little bit. So, um, nevertheless, you end up with a great, great human being. I mean, it's harder to find someone – uh, a, a better human being than Mark Richt. Um, you know, I've heard some worry about the fit down here, um, thinking you need a fiery guy down here in the uh, in the city of Miami and with this program right now. Uh, any concern with the fit? No, not right. You know, sometimes I think fit is a little bit over uh, overstated. I mean, sure, it's important. But, you know, if you get a good staff around you that can recruit, it has some ties. X's and O's aren't going to change. I think anybody at that level, if you're playing at that level and you need constant fire to get motivated to play a football game, maybe you don't belong playing in that level. I, I mean, I, I mm. tend to think that college football players, high-level college football players are motivated. You don't become a high-level college football player if you're not motivated. <laughs> maybe you sure you don't need like a you don't need like a underwater treadmill and a grand piano in your locker room to be motivated to play football. <laughs> you, you, you don't. Yeah, you don't think uh, these kids need that now, or what? I, I, I wouldn't think so. But you know, that's uh, you know the, the studies arm race is is a whole different issue, I think. But yeah, man. I mean, yeah. you look. I'm not going out there to practice today, coach, because uh, my shoes didn't get dried in the in the shoe drying room. I, I don't. This kind of looks like where we're headed, but nevertheless. Um, Do you have that yeah, that's. Oh, my shoes being dried? Let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. I went out there with 10-pound shoes and tried to cover guys on many occasions, okay, especially when we had two-a-days at Miami and it rained in the morning. Fat chance on your shoes being dried unless you found a refrigerator in a newspaper somewhere that you could stuff in your shoes. That was just a little home remedy and uh, didn't happen very often. Uh, in terms of guys that Georgia is was recruiting when Rick was there and it looked like he might continue to be the Georgia coach, um, that could possibly slide down to the University of Miami, and one in particular being Jacob Eason. Uh, are we going to have any crossover there that you can foresee? It's interesting with Eason. Uh, you know, Rivals Miami site talked to Eason's quarterback coach last night, and he kind of said that he thinks there'll be an interest there. I think that there will be. I think that he will. I will not be surprised if he visits. I won't be surprised if he tours. I can't see him landing in Miami. It's just too late in the game for a school. I mean, I know he's got a relationship with Rick. I just, man, I think if there's a backup option for Eason, it's going to be Florida. It's going to be Florida. Um, I can't see that happening. Now, some other names are interesting. Malik Young is an interesting name to me over at Coconut Creek, only because he's mm-hmm. committed there for so long, has such a relationship with Rick, and is 45 minutes up the road from Coral Gables. Good player, 
player that Miami had interest in, and it almost seems like almost too good a fit now for them not to be able to get involved there. I'll be interested to see if they are able to get involved with Benjamin Victor at Coconut Creek late, who also has a relationship with Rick. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that are committed is another bullet point. You know, I think Sam Bruce likes that hire, who's kind of the linchpin of that recruiting class. Um, I think they'll probably need to – maybe not need to. I think it would behoove them to retain wide receivers coach Kevin Beard in some – in sure. some capacity in order to keep Bruce. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I, 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 think- I see Mark Richt and Kevin Beard's, uh, just their whole philosophy on life, the way that they think, being strong in their faith uh, as being a pretty good connection. I'd be surprised if, if Beard was not retained. Yeah, and I, I think that that would help him with more than just Bruce, too. You know, I think the world of Kevin as a recruiter and as a coach, um, and I think you know he can do a lot of things to help the University of Miami. I think he'd be smart to keep him on staff for a number of reasons. But if you keep him... I think you 100% keep Bruce, who has been the linchpin of this class all along. Right, right. Uh, I kind of think Bruce is coming there anyway. Um, you know, obviously having having Kevin Baird there would be would would be huge. Would probably you know slam dunk that, but I just kind of feel like. Uh, Absolutely. Sam Bruce is going to end up in Miami, either or in any way. All right. Well, listen, uh, folks, we've got a we've got a new head coach at the University of Miami, but. The uh, intrigue has not stopped. You got to hire an offensive coordinator. You got to hire a defensive coordinator. Um, do you have any insight on who those guys might potentially be? No, you know, you had Woody on yesterday, and I'll kind of keep his line of, of thinking here. You know, I'm not as plugged into those conversations right now as, as some uh, the Bruce Feldman mm-hmm. of the world. So I don't want to offer any guesses. I mean, you know, you see names thrown around, but who really knows at this point? I'm not going to come on your show and I. Pre- tend to know who, who's, who's going to take over the offense. Sure, I mean, you don't just want to throw a name out there like Ed Reed or, uh, you know, Ray Lewis is the next defensive coordinator. Yeah, paired with Ken Dorsey or, oh, I don't know, uh, Steve Walsh. No? Jimmy Johnson pass on that? retirement. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I, I appreciate your honesty on that. And uh, with that, man, I think we're going to leave it there. There will probably be much more coming up on this in the uh, next coming days. So I appreciate you coming Thanks, on and Jeff. talking Hurricanes football with us, man. All right, man. i see you. All right. That's uh, Rob Cassidy from Rivals here talking uh, University of Miami Hurricanes football. Appreciate appreciate him coming on and doing that for us. I'm going to take a quick break here. When I get back, it's Florida high school football time. We've got half of the championships going down. Joshua Wilson from Florida High School, FloridaHSFootball.com is going to be on to talk it with us. We'll be right back right after this. championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game-breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. 
Speed is what you need. So hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Football Friday on a Thursday on the Gridiron Stud Show. We've covered college football. It's championship weekend in college football. We've talked NFL. So we're starting to get down to uh, the nitty-gritty on uh, some of these playoff races. And we do have a game tonight. The uh, Packers trying to get revenge at Detroit and uh, see if they can catch the uh, Lions a little drunk and happy from their blowout win over the Eagles on Thanksgiving. And uh, now it's time to uh, move down to the high school game. And uh, we're we're halfway home on this thing. We've got half of the championship games going down here in the state of Florida. 1A through 4A is up in the Citrus Bowl, trying to figure out who's the best of the best in each one of those classifications. And then uh, from 5A to 8A, we've got the semifinals, which, you know, uh, a lot of times is so much more intense than the, uh, than the finals. Uh, would you share that thought with me there, Joshua Wilson? Uh, who's on from FloridaHSFootball.com. Some some of these championship games end up being anticlimactic. It's really the semifinal games that get the juices flowing. And yeah, I, yeah and I think like last week, I think that with the semifinals for the one and before eight games, you know, you, you look at it and it's like I think I think they, they, these teams know that the intensity is there because they want that trip to Orlando, they want that trip to play in the big stadium, you know, they want to play somewhere where it's, it's it's not their home field, you know. You know they want to play that game, and I think they just they they feel it, and you know they're going to leave it all out on the field. And I mean, shoot, that I mean, I had a good one for about the first half of Rain play last week, and I mean, I mean Rain was getting a little chippy out there, but you know, I mean, it did the size eventually caught up with you know with Santa Fe, you know, the size difference, and I, you know that might that that could that could cause some problems for Booker T this week, so. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you choose where we go here. Do you want to start off with these semifinals, or do you want to knock these uh these championship games out of the way? Which way do you want to go first? Oh man, you mean because either way we go, it's gonna be good. So. <laughs> <laughs> Granted. All right. I tell you. I tell you what. Let's, let's save the best for last. Let's save the best for the last, which would be the state championship game. Let's let's get, let's get into these semifinals first. All right, well, cool. Well, we'll start at the top. It's a rematch. It's Flanagan and it's Columbus. Both teams handled their business in the uh, in the in the in their rounds last week in um, impressive fashion. Flanagan hung their third straight shutout in the uh, playoffs. That's very impressive. Thirty-five nothing in their contest against Atlantic to uh, move to this point in Columbus. In uh, what you and I talked about last week, we thought would be uh, somewhat of a good game. Said no. 42 to 9 smacked South Dade right back down to where they came from and uh now it's these two again Flanagan and Columbus who's walking out Man. of this one on their way to Orlando One gut one one side of the gut tells me Flanagan's going to walk out but the other side of the gut tells me Columbus is going to walk out again Man hey could 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 this game be a 10-7 dog fight I mean, I could see it the way these two defenses have been playing as of lately. I mean, they, I mean, just you know, even the fact that it could come down to a field goal. I mean, of course, you know, Pinkus has got a, that PA three points. I could see it. 
I could definitely agree yeah. with a three point forecast. I mean, uh, just just it's. I think I want to give Columbus the advantage because hey, they're playing a tropical. Flanagan has to come to them. You know, ain't Columbus driving the buses up there to Broward County? It's Flanagan having to come fight the Miami traffic. So right, exactly. Man, I, it's I have to give it to Columbus in this one actually. <laughs> You mean, give, give me yeah, Columbus. you're rolling with Columbus. Columbus. Why? Why? Why Columbus in this? One? It, 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 just I, curious. It's just they've got, they've just gotten hot at the right time. But they, it's same, you could say the same for Flanagan. I just think it's it's the it's. I know it's not okay. Yeah, you're at a neutral site. It, what people would call a neutral site, but this is home field advantage for Columbus Tropical Park. You know they're they're, they're so familiar with it. You know it's sure. the atmosphere. I, I don't think I don't think you know Flanagan doesn't rarely play a game in Miami Dade, so I don't think they're going to understand you know what the environment's totally like. You know it's that you know Columbus is going to have their fan bases out there. You know they're going to have. Uh, you their know they will cheering quite loudly oh, too, as a matter of fact. Exactly, and that's why I think again it goes advantage Columbus because it there it, it, it's just it's going to be enough to push. You know how many how many how much of the Flanagan following is actually going to make the trip in the morning? I did. That's a good question. I, I you know I'm sure quite a few of them will, but you know I don't think everybody will make that trip. Um, yeah, I expect it to be packed on 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 both sides there. You know, a lot of folks um, give give the nod to Columbus um, because of their disciplined style of play, but this is a revenge situation here for Flanagan. So they come in, I think, perhaps the more motivated team of the two to try and undo what happened last year. And uh, I would kind of lean in. I think I'm with Pinkos in this one. I'm going to kind of lean in Flanagan's direction. Maybe they just make one more play than Columbus. But that's a great Columbus staff to do. Uh, they they do go the extra mile to do their homework. So, um, oh, yes, I, they do. I, yes, they do. I, I, I wouldn't put my money on it, but I am leaning in Flanagan's direction. Just I mean, I, mean I, 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 I just hate to say it. You might be playing Russian roulette with that game. <laughs> Uh, on the northern part, Osceola uh, was in this game last year, I believe. Were they not? Well, in seven A, so this is you know Osceola has moved up to a you know they're they're now up in you know one classification now. So Osceola, you know they made, they made it last year in seven A, played the Plinus, got blown out by Plinus. But you know, mm-hmm. hey, man, it, this is at Osceola, and but you know some people are like, well, you got to take Osceola because it's at home at Osceola. But I think you know this West Orange, this West Orange team is determined to put their name on the map, which they've already done. You know, this is the furthest West Orange has ever been in the playoffs. I mean, before mm-hmm. last I mean, before last year, they had not even gotten past the first round. Made it past the first round last year. Popka handled them in the second round. This time, you know, hey, they beat a Popka twice this year. Sure, I mean, only sure. To, West Orange's only loss is to Trinity Christian. So if that tells you anything, I think West Orange learned a lot from that Trinity Christian game. You know, if we wanted, you know, like you said, you want you want you want to be the best. You play the best. Well, I think they certainly played the best team in the state of Florida this year, and that's Trinity Christian. So you know, and who is playing for a three A title come Saturday Saturday afternoon? So I mean, give me West Orange in this one, please. You know, I just I think West Orange is the, the talent edge is just there for West Orange. Osceola and they they're, they're a little bit down, but you know, I mean, again again, here's Osceola in the state semifinals once again. Yeah, uh, Pinkos is going with West Orange. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see how that one shakes out. Sliding down to 7A, uh, Columbia and Vieira in that top bracket. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game? I don't really know a whole bunch. Of uh, uh, Columbia, it was on another radio show. We were actually talking about this game last night last, with, with on that show. And, I mean, these two teams 
don't look at the records. Throw the records out. These two teams are similar in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to the passing game. The, the mm-hmm. top two quarterbacks in Class 7A are in that game this uh, for, for tomorrow night. I mean, Columbia. Mm-hmm. I mean, Columbia's Columbia's quarterback Dalvin Shuck. He he is close to setting a you know setting a state record. In, you know, with passing in the playoffs and I think in the regular for, for the entire season for 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 the for the whole entire. Regular, I got to look it up a little bit more. But there's a record that's sitting there that that could potentially be matched by. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it, the thing is, is that having having we we talked to the coach last night, Brian Allen. And this is his, you know, I believe it's now it's fifth, fourth or fifth year now at Columbia, and he has turned that program in, you know, he's turned the program around. And I mean, the first, the first, I mean, the fact that this is Columbia's first, you know, first state semifinal trip since 2003, and this is VR's furthest attempt in their second time in the playoffs, and this is the furthest they've gotten. So, I mean, I think this is going to be a whole new experience for Vieira. I don't think they're going to understand. I don't think Vieira is going to totally you know, understand what, what, you know, that Columbia, okay, yeah, they may be a Sunday school, but Lake City, they still have the small town football factor into it. There's a lot of heritage and a lot of history. Yeah, I can, I can say, oh, yeah, Vieira's beating a team that's already had a lot of history and heritage in Lakeland last week, but I think this is a different story. You know, Columbia's a lot better than Lakeland. Sure. When we slide down to the to the south side of this bracket, St. Thomas is the name that everyone knows. But uh, anyone over there at St. Thomas has been doing their studies this week, and anyone in the know. Uh, we'll tell you that this Braden River team is not one to be taken lightly. Pinkos doesn't think so. Oh, he has no, them no. as a one-point favorite in his contest. This is a good Braden River team. St. Thomas will have their hands full. Oh, yeah. Aquinas will have their hands full. And, I mean, you, you were, we were, this is another thing we were talking about is, you know, I mean, if you look at the state semifinals on this thing, there's a potential you have – you're guaranteed one South Florida team at least next weekend. You can have a maximum of three. But, you know, if mm-hmm. only one South Florida team makes it this out of the state semifinals, that'll probably be a new low for South Florida because we have not seen that before. Usually you're having five, six teams going from South Florida going into the you know to the state championship games each year. This is, right. This is where I think this – I hate to say it, this could possibly be a trap game for St. Thomas. Right? I mean, it, 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 it's 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 I, I, I think – I think all in all, I mean, I know they're going to be prepared, but at the same time, how well are the players mentally going to be ready? It's like, oh, well, this team's never been here before, so we're just going to blow, to blow them out, who blah, blah. You know, are they thinking mm-hmm. that? It's my question. And, and, of course, we're not going to know until they step on the field as to how they play and, you know, if we can see what the reaction is. Because if they come in there thinking that they're going to go in there and do Brain River in, they're going to probably have another thing coming for them, and that's not going to be the way they want to play. I mean, Brayden River sure. is just they are solid on defense, and that is one of the biggest things that has gotten Brayden River to this point. It's defense. They got good right. offense, but the defense has been the been the been the stellar point for them. And I mean, well, you know what they say I, about uh, defense, right? Yeah, you know, what's the defense saying? Defense wins the championships. Exactly, exactly. So um, and, I think and, we all and, know it. And our boy Blue, you know, he's even kind of high on them a little bit too. So you know, he thinks they're you know they're a good team. So you know, I mean, I, I gotta I gotta give. Got to give Brayden River a chance in this one. I mean, I'd like to see it happen, but, you know, I mean, I almost want to take St. Thomas' point as by default just because, okay, yeah, St. Thomas has been here, done that, but at the same time, I just – St. Thomas is going to – they're going to be in for a tight ball game. I, I mean, I, I just don't there's – no, there's no way this one's a runaway. Sure. Uh, I don't think it'll be that. So, uh, definitely a very, very good football game we're expecting there. Class 6A. 
Tate and uh, who's this team? I've never heard of them before. It's it's called Armwood. <laughs> yeah, Armwood, Armwood. I mean, how many? I mean, can we just put them there Armwood? every year? Is that what's going to happen? Is that what we're going to do? You know, I I have to ask why. I mean, it, 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 being fans are like, can we just have somebody other than Armwood and Miami Central on the six A game? I mean, I'm I'm hearing it from other fans now. It's just I think I think it's like. Can we just let somebody else have a chance to win this thing? And you know right. what? Here's a chance that Tate could. I mean, here's a chance that the Armwood could be done after tomorrow night. I mean, Tate Tate is road warriors. They are. I mean, yeah, they play their first three rounds of the Panhandle. They play them against opponents. They know it. But when it comes to getting on the road, boarding the buses up and heading, you know, going to places, Tate, you know, they 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 find. They find the ways to win, and, and they know how to win big, and they know how to win tight. I mean, they won tight against Navarre in the first round, you know, took out mm-hmm. their district opponent, district rival in, in, in Pine Forest the second round without any issue. Played against Nice, right. led that entire game, and then it got tight right at the end, but they managed to hold up, and, you know, here it is. You know, me take having to make this long trip. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to give Tate a chance. I think Arm. I, I will say this. I know oh, you're Armwood sick of seeing Armwood in this game. Let's just be let's just be real. Well, I I don't gonna admit it. I'm I'm getting a little I'm getting a little sick of seeing Armwood in Miami Central. And so right, Armwood has painted like, parking spaces over there at the Citrus Bowl. They've like got Armwood. So damn on it. <laughs> but, 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 but I think I think I think what I'm gonna say is that, is that Armwood has shown that they can be beaten. They do find ways to come back, but is can Tate do enough on tomorrow night? to push Armwood against the wall to where they're going to have to fight all four quarters where Tate may be able to come out as a winner. I mean, I mean that, you know, I would literally like to, you know, see what happens. I mean, again, I say people can question me on it, but I know that Armwood. Well, if you're sick of seeing Armwood, uh, if you're sick of seeing Armwood, how do you feel about Miami Central? Uh, they're essentially uh, sharing I mean, parking I, with, I, with, uh, yeah, I mean, they're always there too. What's this for them? Be, I mean, I, I, you know what? If this game was in Naples, give me Naples all the way around the whole circle. But I mean, this is at Traz, you know. But then, you know, a lot of people. I'm sorry, a lot of people I, want to go. Can, I, I whole new atmosphere, as, uh, especially with what uh, went on there in the in the second round of the playoffs, oh, where yeah. uh, a game was called because of shots fired. So Miami. I mean, it's you 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 hope that 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 kind of stuff would just stay away from from that kind of stuff. But you know, I mean, it's oh, I don't think you'll get that in a Central versus Naples game. Now a Miami Carroll City versus Central game, uh, yeah, you know, maybe someone lost a bet and Uh, needed to square up right away. (laughs) Right, yeah, and I just think I just think in this situation, Naples. I mean, I, I mean, Naples has got a talented team. It's you know, I don't think. And of course, I think the one advantage that might help Naples. Okay, yeah, Coach Coach Bill Kramer. Yeah, he he coached at Ohio American before he took the job at Naples back in the you know back when he was you know early two thousands. You know, I think I think that might help you know be a little bit of advantage that Kramer knows. Hey, he knows what Travis Powell's like. I know the kids are not mm-hmm. going to know what it's like, but it, it's good that your coach knows what it's like to coach at Travis. Sure. So I think I think that is you know you know that might help it be an advantage for Naples to go in there and be able to you know say hey you know what just tune out the noise and just play the game. I mean this is what technically both teams need to do tune out the noise and just play the game because 
you know, it's 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 you, you win your you when you're going to you're in Orlando next week or you're done you're 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 watching you're watching on TV or whatever you're gonna do next week. You know, yeah, it, you know. uh, and the tears the tears will flow, no doubt about that. Sliding over to five A, Bishop Moore uh, against Jesuit. What happened to Hallandale last week? What what took place there? Got into they a looked battle. like a team of destiny. They looked like a team of destiny and just got into a battle with a Bishop Moore team that it just seems determined that this is going to be their year. I mean, I, I mean. I mean, some people are just like, I mean, they want to take Jesuit, but I, I to give the if you can start lining up the schedule that Jesuits played compared to Bishop Moore, can you know, you know, regular season schedule, playoff schedule, I'm going to give that game to Bishop Moore, not Jesuit. Hey, well, I think we've, we've, we've got a classic battle of offense versus defense here. Bishop Moore has gone through this playoffs 38, 49, 51 points scored, and Jesuits not giving up much, zero. Seven, eight. Uh, so we've got a classic offense versus defense well, matchup here. Am I not correct? I, I I think so, but I also think it comes down to the quality of opponents that have Jesuits play compared to Bishop Moore, and, and that, that whole mm-hmm. region that Jesuits coming out of is just it's not one of the best regions in the entire state when it comes to you know by classification. Mm-hmm. And that that sure. region, region three, that region three is pretty weak in five A, and I mean. I give, Would I mean, you give any thought to, okay, maybe because they haven't been beaten up so much, they're a fresher team than Bishop Moore, who really had to go to war last week to get that victory and move to this level? There could be a chance There could be a chance that that might be the case, but, you know, I think Bishop Moore, you know, it's like you know, people would say, well, Bishop Moore's been battle-tested through this. You know, they know what's going to happen when it comes down to a full four-quarter game. Right, you know, Jesuit right. may, Jesuit's probably not really experienced that much at all this year, and I think for Bishop Moore, that would be for them. Yeah, two trains of thought. Uh, yeah, two trains of thought on that one. On the top side of this bracket, the lasting memory, fair or not, of Clay is their trip to the you know championship a couple years ago against American Heritage and just looking completely and totally helpless and getting blown right off the field. Um, but here they are again, um, and they continue to win and defy some odds. And uh, you know they beat Nature Coast in the Thriller a couple weeks ago, and they come back and. Um, you know, get, get themselves to this point. So here they are against Wakula. What, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, man, uh, you talk about you talk about going to play for the face of Felipe Franks and his and his wide receivers. You gotta yeah. have some defense because this is what this is what the problem for Koi has been. The amount of defense has been left at home somewhere the last couple of weeks, especially when sure. you the second round in North Marion in a 65-60 game against Nature Coast. You let Nature Coast hang around. You gotta have some mm-hmm. defense. Otherwise, Wakulla's gonna say, "Hey, we're going to Orlando. You get back to Gringo Springs and stay home." I mean, that's what it's gonna right. happen. I mean, it, I mean, Clyde's gotta have to have. And again, they gotta have defense. They've got the offense. We know they've got the offense. It's just again, defense. They better not leave it in Gringo Springs tomorrow. Otherwise, you might as well go ahead and you know just, just hang up the cleats and hang up the helmets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, I'll say it again about defense. Um, you know, defense wins championships. Wins championships, so you better be running around with that one. Okay, uh, now let's talk about the uh, the final the final chapters, and uh, we do that by rolling into one uh, A through four. I will start with one A, and um, you know we obviously you talked a little bit about this last week. Um, I just had a feeling about Port St. Joe, and lo and behold, here they are. They're going to be taking on Trenton. Um, what are you expecting to see in in this game? I don't, 
Well, it's a rematch from week three, and, and I mean, it, Port St. Joe has gotten better since they, they, you know, they got blown out by Trenton week three. But Port St. Joe was also a little bit weaker, and you know, they, they had some missing bodies on, on, you know, due to a viral mental genesis scare. They were still recovering, you know, by, you know, at that point, and you know, they weren't one hundred percent healthy in that game. So, but I mean, I, I look at the roster. I've looked at the roster. But there's some there's some considerable size differences. I think the key for Port St. Joe is they caught, they're going to have to score first. They're going to have to score first, and they're going to have to put Trenton on their backs. If they can push Trenton up against the wall, pretty much, you know, then then they may make it a full four quarter game. Trenton gets going early, that game could be over at halftime. I mean, it's just right. it's, that's the way it's that's the way it's looking. I mean, the the key for Fort St. Joe is they got to stop Trenton's hand achievers, who is their Mister Do Everything. I mean, he I mean he leads in different stat categories between the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, and even on special teams. So I mean, when you're leading in categories in all three aspects of the game, how can you stop a guy like that? And I don't think there really right. is an answer to them to be able to stop him. They're going to have to box him up pretty badly. Now, how does the schedule work? Is the one A game the first game that's up? I don't remember. How no, the two A game is actually the first. Two A game is actually the first game up on the on Friday afternoon because the two A is not going to have as many people show up. One A will probably, mm-hmm. probably have a you know between three to five thousand people show up. Two A, you may get five. Is that the reason why? That is the reason why. It's just attendance numbers. And the 1A game, because of the teams traveling a little bit further, especially like Port St. Joe, fans are going to be coming a little bit further out distance. You know, they, they this is something they've done ever since they 1A became the world classification in 2011. They just made the 1A the night game, and it's, and it's stuck, and it's worked very well for them. So they didn't, it's just better to leave it where it's at. You know, make mm-hmm. 1A the night mm-hmm. cap instead of the 2A. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, who can uh, argue with that? The 2A game is University Christian in Cambridge, uh, so they're up first. Um, University Christian rolling into this thing with a shutout, man. Uh, would you say they're they're the favorite to uh, oh, yeah, win in this one? Pinko says favorite, seven. You, they're definitely the favorite, but you cannot discount Cambridge Christian because everybody, well, Cambridge didn't. They, I mean, they had Cambridge came in with blowouts. They hadn't really beaten anyone of you know of, of ranked nature, and in the last three weeks, they've knocked off a ranked team each week in the playoffs in the two A bracket. So you've got to give Cambridge Cambridge Christian will be a competitive opponent probably for University Christian. I just see it. You know, it's they they they've proven that they can play in the playoffs. You know, this is their this is interesting. This is Cambridge's first trip into the playoffs as a football program with, with, with their football team. And mm-hmm. for for their coach, I mean, the, the, the coach is very well experienced. Bob, there, he, he's, he's been in the Cambridge for for seven years. He was at Northside Christian for many years before that in Pinellas County. It's you know, but this is the first time for you know his team and for for, for Coach Dare himself to be in a state championship game. I just don't know. Maybe there might be a little stage fight, whereas University of Christian is saying, "Hey, we've been here, we've done that. Have a nice day." Yeah, been there, you know, been there, done I, that. Nothing. Nothing like experience yeah. when it comes to to these things. Three uh, A, um, listen, American Heritage has certainly uh, earned their way to this thing. They had the the real big time battle in the rematch with Oxbridge. Uh, they weren't too hung over in the next round against a very good Clearwater Central Catholic team, but that too was also a war. Uh, what are they? Are they worn out in this game mentally, or are they battle tested when they take on a very very good Trinity Christian team that you've talked about all year? <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I think American Heritage just they've had the battle through the through their playoff games, especially the second and third rounds. They've had the battle, and I, I just don't mean you know for Trinity Christian. It's like I mean I thought Tampa Catholic would give them a chance. It would would would, would put a game, you know, maybe make it some kind of sort of game, and Trinity <laughs> Christian just rolled into Bad Tampa and on just said, having, yeah." If they just rolled around in the Tampa and said good night, just, just just go ahead and go hang up your helmets because that's what happened. It, I mean, it, it, they ran. I mean, by the time that it was over at halftime, that that was the thing. Is when you saw the scores, that just like you can't believe that Tampa Catholic is not giving them a game, but Tampa Catholic was just definitely outmatched. And I think there might be another situation where this three A yeah, that's just a, over that's half. just a really really good Trinity team. Um, you know, it's just really I mean, what it boils down to. But I do like Heritage's uh, moxie. I do like their mental toughness and. Um, I mean, that was a very talented Oxbridge team in terms of individual talent that they played, and they managed to see their way through that. Um, I wouldn't put it past them to, you know, pull off an upset. I think the early part of this game is going to be big for American Heritage. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's, it, they're, they're going to have to they're going to have to put Trinity Christian on their on, the, on their backs, and I mean, I mean, I just I don't know if I can see it happening though because I think this this Trinity team is just so talented. I just don't think American Heritage has enough talent to match up with them in a lot in, in this situation. It's just there's just certain things they're saying. Now nah, you just got to give it to Trinity. It's just you know you're looking at everything and you're like this Trinity team. I mean, who? I mean, the team that's been closest to being, you know, being competitive with them is University Christian, who's playing for the two-way title on Friday. So it's, it's sure. If that tells yeah, you anything, um, a juggernaut. So you want to see a little, you know, yeah. you, you want to see a little David want- and Goliath type thing going on there, and see if uh, Heritage can pull this off. And then finally, in four A, look, Booker T uh, lost, uh, you know, they lost Ice Harris two years ago, lost Tim Harris. You know, going yeah. into this year, you uh, have the team transferred. No reason whatsoever for Booker T to be in this game, and yet here they are once again, um, right there in their reserved spots uh, at the Citrus Bowl, taking on a Reigns team who, um, you know, upset bowls. I guess you could say that, and uh, then did their job against Santa Fe in yeah. in uh, you know easy fashion. So, what do we have here? Is this? Is is this going to be another Booker T. Washington, you know, ring? Are they going to have to get fitted for another ring here, or can Reigns actually get something done? Well, Reigns has got some good Reigns has got some good sized boys on there and on, on, for for their team, and that that's the thing is you know, and my thing with the, with the whole entire thing is like you know, it's like here we are, Booker T.'s got their black and orange painted in their parking spots again down there in Orlando. So sure. Um, my, my, sure. My, my thing is, I mean, I mean this, is, I mean, this is Booker T.'s fifth consecutive trip. Reigns hasn't been here since 1997. You, you want to give it to Booker T. because it's experience, but, you know, it's like you look at what Booker T.'s been through this season and you and you wonder, is, is, is Booker T. just getting hot at the right time now? Are they finally come together? Is the gel finally come together? I think this might be probably a competitive game. This might be your most competitive game because Reigns is not going to go down without a fight. I think they, they, they I think what happened was is when they lost to Reaple week 11, their next door neighbor rival basically, you throw a rock at them and you, you're, you're, you're throwing the, you throw a rock you're hitting the next school, you're, you're almost hitting them the school over. That's, that's how close they are. I mean, I just think it, it just for, for Reigns losing that game, it finally, the light bulb went off. It's like Okay, we can't be complacent if we're going to be this kind of cocky attitude. Because if we get cocky like that, yeah, we're going to they're going to lose again. Then you know, 
you know, when they beat Bowles 34-8 in that second round, I think I think that kind of said, hey, you know what, Ryan's just kind of actually arrived now, and they're finally here. And so, I mean, my thing is, though, is Booker T has a chance to make history, join the likes of Swanee and North Florida Christian by winning four straight state championships. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that we could see it happen, you know, if they if Booker T does it, hey, they join the record books with that history making. Otherwise, Reigns becomes only the you know to still be the only team that'll win you know have won have won state championships and multiple state championships as a public school in in Duval County. So the you know, I mean there's there's quite there's some history between both teams that could be made. So I mean I I, I like to I want to pick Reigns, but you know the natural default is that say go with Booker T because hey they've been here they've been they've yeah done that. yeah they've the, the whole experience years. factor yeah no doubt about it, the experience factor. So of the championship games that we're gonna have go down on Friday and Saturday, tell our listeners where you would where we're most likely to see an upset. Because you know, some people just want to tune in for that. They want a little drama in their lives. Uh, where, where, where do you think is the best place to possibly see an upset out of these four games? You got to save it for the four again. I mean, I just think you know. I mean, I mean, I mean, the fact that Booker T's favored, it Reigns pulls it off. You know, that's you know, Reigns stops history making right there. I think that's what you know, the four A game is right there. That's where it's at. You know, because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. want to see Booker T do it. And, you know, if rain stops him, well, yeah, there's your upset. I think that's yeah. what it's going to come down to is that final game for Friday, for Saturday night, for the first weekend. Sure. Um, and, 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 yeah, maybe there is a little bit of pressure on Booker T there, uh, chasing history. Um, and, and, and it's not as talented a team top to bottom as they've had no. in years past. So, you know, they're kind of battling with that also. You just, again, you got to love their resolve, getting themselves all the way back here. Well, so I guess we're going to. Leave it at that, man. We're going to crown some champions this weekend, and uh, some others are going to punch their ticket to Orlando. And uh, I know you're going to be there uh, following it all. Uh, when you're heading up to the Citrus Bowl, I'm headed down. I'm, I'm actually going to be the, the finish packing the bags, and I'm going to be heading down in the, probably, probably within the next couple of hours. Well, good, man. Uh, well, you know, love having you there to follow this whole thing and uh, watch. History unfold Friday and Saturday at the famed Florida Citrus Bowl. Man, appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts on this whole thing with us. Appreciate it, Chad. Enjoy enjoy your enjoy your road trip that you got coming up this weekend. Yeah, heading out to Atlanta, going to see if these Gators can stop that big beast in the backfield. Uh, how about that? Another Kelvin Taylor, Derrick Henry. Hey, uh, hey. Yeah, tell folks about that. Uh, these two have met before. Th- Throwback Thursday. Hell, I mean, yes, they have met before. You know, they met when when Glade uh, State made that trip up to Yulee, you know, a few years back. And I mean, that you know, talk about talk about the the, the, the national high school all time leading rusher versus the statewide. I mean, the statewide all time leading rusher. Yeah, people are going to say, what's the difference? Well, you can think Calvin Taylor playing for a couple, you know, playing playing having some. You know, having some yardage in, in middle school for for counting, but see that counts on the statewide, but not on the national. So it, it that's why the reason why there's a difference in, in the in the. So these two are still one and two in this state in terms of rushing uh, career rushing yards, correct? Yeah, that is correct, right? I mean, this is the fact that both of them were got got past what Emmett Smith had held at one time. He's, you, you know, I don't think you're going to see that for a long time coming. You know, what I mean, it took six sure. years for that national record to fall, so. Yeah, especially with all these spread offenses and uh, people throwing the ball more, that record is probably going to hold for a little minute there, I would venture to say. 
Oh, yes. All right. Well, Josh, Definitely. man, thanks for coming on and talking here with us, man, and uh, looking forward to, you know, recapping uh, 1 through 4A next week and uh, talking about what we think is going to happen in the, in, the, in the big boy leagues. Oh, yes. Appreciate it. Take it easy, Chad. Have a good one. All right. Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com coming on and uh, talking a little Florida high school football here with us. Again, we're going to crown four champions in the state of Florida this Friday and Saturday as Class 1A through 4A take to the field at the Florida Citrus Bowl to uh, figure out who's the best of the best in those classifications. And 5A through 8A have their semifinals this week. Some pretty big matchups. Flanagan and Columbus rematch comes to mind in big old 8A. So a lot of fun things going on there uh this weekend listen you're gonna it's another weekend where you're gonna get drunk with football big time high school football games going on you've got championship weekend in college football and then uh you know the nfl games getting hot and heavy so uh a whole lot to take in this weekend football wise and uh hope you can get your christmas shopping started at least in between all of the football action but uh again we appreciate you listening as uh, we broke it all down here for you on a thursday Football Friday on a Thursday. I would like to thank you all for listening. and uh, I want to thank, my first of all, my co-host, Emil Calamino. And uh, I want to thank the guests on today's show, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com and Rob Cassidy from Rivals Talking Miami Football, University of Miami Football. And uh, finally, Joshua Wilson from Florida HS Football. Appreciate them coming on, and I appreciate you listening to today's show. You are a loyal listener. The Gridiron Stud Show is on weekly. And daily, let me say, daily from uh, at 10 a.m. here on Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, the Recruiting Roundtable show is on on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. I appreciate you all listening. Uh, thank you for doing so. And if you love the Gridiron Stud show, bring a friend because the more, the merrier. So enjoy your weekend and uh, stay safe. I'm back here on Monday at 10 a.m., Emil and I, to recap it all. Thanks for listening.